is history. Opposites. You can read the board. <laughs> so happy to hear that. No, what is it? What does it mean? Stace. Change. Thank you, Stacy. I'm glad to hear someone's paying attention. History is the study of change over time. And what's change? It's this, it's opposites. It's two things that push against each other in opposite directions. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I am joined in the first uh, episode of our August miniseries on the 2006 Best Actor Race uh, by David Drugai to discuss... Uh, Ryan Gosling's Oscar-nominated performance in Half Nelson. David, good to have you back on the show once again. Yes, uh, good to be here. Miniseries. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, tell me a little bit about your familiarity with this movie. Like, uh, what your your relationship was to it at the time. I at the time was six years old, so <laughs> I did not see this uh, when when it came out. But what what was your awareness of it? So 2006 was uh, in the phase of my life where I was really tuned out of movies uh, for, for different reasons. So I really, I did not follow the awards very much. I didn't watch many movies in cinema. So I watched this a couple of years later on DVD, I guess. I don't know when exactly. Um, and I, it's strange. I thought I didn't like it as much as I did. When I rewatched it, I was like, oh, no, I actually did like this much, much more than I remembered. And I, I know that I liked it, but I, yeah, well, that's something we can get into uh, once we start discussing the movie. But yeah, it's, uh, I have seen it a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had forgotten parts of it. Yeah. So uh, I'm going into this whole miniseries not having seen any of these movies ahead of time. So each one of these is going to be a new watch for me. Uh, as is the case for most of the movies that I cover on this show, generally, I'm going into this project <laughs> altogether, not having seen quite a few of these movies. So, but yeah, all four of these are going to be first-time watches for me. I uh, I also liked this one a little bit more than I was expecting to. I think, uh, yeah. So, so we are talking about Half Nelson from 2006, directed by Ryan Fleck, written by Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. I think it's the only movie of theirs that they didn't co-direct. Uh, yeah, at least officially. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, they it probably co-directed this one as well. Probably so. Uh, it's based on their 2004 short film uh, Goannis. Go I don't actually know how that city is pronounced or, or that neighborhood or whatever. Uh, Goannis, Brooklyn, which, uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that did win an award at at that year's Sundance Festival, and then they they adapted their own short into feature length. Uh, it stars Ryan Gosling, Sharika Epps, Anthony Mackie, Monique Gabriella Kernan, uh, Dennis O'Hare, a bunch of other people in very small roles. I think like one of the kids from The Wire, when they do the school season of The Wire, is one of the kids in, uh, in Dan's class. But it, it's a lot of small roles outside of those main three. Uh, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January of 2006, had its limited uh, opening in, uh, in August of that year, and then opened... Uh, in September, so so that is that is half Nelson. Um, before we get into anything, what what do you think of this title? How does this title relate to you? I I, I don't quite get where it, where it applies. 
I think the title is one reason why I forgot what I actually thought of the movie and while I why I confuse it, for example, with Lars and the Real Girl. Not that they have anything in common, but it's another Ryan Gosling movie and Half Nelson is so non-descriptive of anything in a movie. I think it's a really, really odd choice for a title. Yeah. Like if you don't know anything, what it means, what it's supposed to mean, it's not like there's a, a scene in a movie where they are like having this big discussion, like which you sometimes get in movies. Where sometimes yeah. they, you know, you don't get that here. You like you have to read up on it to, to figure it out, which is a really weird choice with a title as this. And, and even with no then, one called yeah. Nelson. <laughs> yeah, and like, like half Nelson is a wrestling term, and it's like a it's yes. like a wrestling move about pinning someone uh, with like your ar- arm behind their head or something. But there's no wrestling in this movie either. There's a lot of basketball, but there's no wrestling. I, I don't. Like, I, I guess it's like he's wrestling with himself. In yes, I think that's it. But you know he and and to get into it like he is he's presented as a good teacher, but he is like first. handicapping himself. Well, I think all the way through, but we can get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teacher, I have a perspective on this. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And but I like he is like handicapping himself, right? Like he's and 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 so it, I mean, resting with himself is 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 like overly symbolic. But I mean, it's like really like he's he's pinning himself down in a way from from what he could be so i think that's i uh, that's at least what i think and you could argue that that uh, dre the girl does the same thing in a way right kinda yeah yeah i I can see that it's it's a roundabout (laughs) title that you really have to sit and think on and even then it doesn't quite present itself clearly and like that's not to say that a, a movie's title needs to uh I've, I've, no, but I mean, my, I don't know if my explanation is sound, but it's a long explanation for something that like... <laughs> I mean, that, it makes that, sense, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, no, no movie should need that long of an explanation for its title. I, I You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, but it was successful fair. enough, I guess, so I, I, I think the title didn't hurt the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting little title. Uh, I guess, yeah, it would have made more sense if there was someone named Nelson, even. Like, at least then you could have some sort of connection there, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's talk about uh, the first of four nominees that we'll be doing. Uh, uh, for for those that didn't listen to the announcement uh, episode that we did, uh, so we are talking for the the month of August about the two thousand six Best Actor race, where four of the five nominees are lone nominees, which is. Uh, at least as far as I'm aware, the only time that that's happened uh, in the Academy history, there have been plenty of times with three or so, uh, but this is the only year where a, a category has been four for five lone nominees, so that's why we're tackling it all at once, uh, and we're just going alphabetically by, by last name of the actors as far as the order for the month. There's no real rhyme or reason to that otherwise, uh, but so we are starting with this movie, and that that's a where the conceit of the miniseries comes from for anyone who may be wondering about that, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, let's talk about Ryan Gosling's performance here as Dan Dunn, which is a name that anytime I remembered his name is Dan Dunn, I could only uh, sing it to myself to the Law & Order theme. Dan Dunn. <laughs> I haven't thought of that, yeah. It was very stupid, but I kept humming it to myself while we were watching this movie. Uh, but yeah, well, so, I mean, so, to be fair, com- compared to the title of the movie, his name is is, is really non-script, right? It's like, yeah. and then it's like a, a, a non-name in a way, right? It's, yeah. it's a name easy to forget too. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that 
I had that stupid little thing to tie <laughs> yeah, it to internally. <laughs> I don't think I would have remembered the name Dan Dunn. It, it's just a very, very plain. But yeah, so so what about this performance really stands out to you first? What? So, okay, I'm trying to focus on this performance because I, I, I took a look at Gosling in general. Maybe we can talk about his career later. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. But I think his performance is, is I, I think it's just really, really good because it does never really fall into um, cliches, into, into tropes. And I think this is what Gosling is really good at in general, in many of his roles, if, if he wants to at least. Yeah. Um, and I think it just in this case, it's, it's just really true, which is not only true for the teaching scenes where he never becomes, you know, Robin Williams or any of the other inspirational teachers we have uh, met through movies. He, 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 he gets close to it sometimes, but never fully, um, which I think is interesting. But also on the other hand, when, um, when, when there's drugs involved, I think he also never becomes this complete, you know, like, like, like fuck up that that does like becomes this drug person that we also have seen millions of times yeah and very often especially when he's on drugs he just seems very like passive and pathetic yeah he's just like there there's a shot i mean we um, have to talk about the scene in the in the in the in the toilet when he's discovered yes. by this is so yes. amazing that's what i was about to bring up there's there's uh so so for context for this, uh, he's a he's a middle school teacher in an inner city school. He teaches history. He's also the the coach of the girls' basketball team. Uh, and in this scene, this is after a basketball game. All the the players have left. Everyone's left. So he goes into the locker room, and he starts smoking crack uh, because he's a drug addict. I don't remember if I said that or not, or if I just <laughs> uh, thought it. But yes, yeah, so he's he's a he's a drug addict, and he's smoking crack in this locker room. And uh, one of the players, one of the students, Dre, uh, comes in and uses the bathroom and see, like notices that there's someone in the other stall. She pushes in the door and sees him and sees that he's smoking crack. And there's a shot just on his face where just the look that he has of, of uh, being found out, being caught, basically. And all the while, he's still going through this really bad trip because he just exactly. like, a, like a full yes. pipe. Uh, and he's been caught by one of his students and he knows he's not supposed to be there and he's certainly not supposed to be doing drugs on the school campus. And just the look on his face in that shot is genuinely haunting. Like, it it chilled me just to see that look. I I had to rewind and see it again and it it really struck me. It was, like, that scene alone, even if you don't have anything else noteworthy in the rest of that movie that scene alone where he he gets caught and then he's just sort of like trying to stand up and then trying to sit back down and falling and he's asking for water and but like then also just like he keeps apologizing to her for the fact that she has seen him in this state and then he's like no i'm I'm fine i'm fine i'm fine can you get me some water just like that scene alone is is enough of a standout that it would be nomination worthy regardless of anything else he's doing in the rest. Like I loved, I, I thought that scene was so impressive from him because it's not what you, like you said, it's not the cliche drug user scene in a movie where someone will 
you know, the, the usual ticks and tropes of having a bad trip or whatever. Like he's, he's playing it very naturalistically. And yeah. I, it was, it was really, really astounding what he's doing there. Like his face shows every implication of that scene, which is not just, hey, I'm an adult who was just a car taking drugs, but also I'm this girl's teacher and I have like a, you know, I, I, I'm like a role model. I'm supposed to be a role model and I'm doing the exact opposite of what I'm supposed to do. And of course, as a teacher, you can do many things wrong, but like taking drugs is one of the worst things I think you can do as a teacher, you know, yeah. because like drugs are bad. Like this is what teachers tell you all the time. And you are supposed to like follow that. And, and when he sits there and the door finally opens, I, I think he looks like a little boy yeah. for a moment, like really caught. Like he's like, oh no, I've, got, I've been caught. What should I do? And he's not attempting to apologize or to find an excuse. He's not even attempting to hide the drugs. Yeah, the, the camera so interesting. The camera pans over from his face to the the lighter and the pipe in his hand, just completely mo like he's he's yeah. just holding it. He's frozen. He 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 yeah. knows he's been caught. There's no point in trying to hide it at this point. No attempting at all, yeah. which makes it even more interesting. I, yeah. I love that moment. I really and I, I, I completely agree with you. I think this moment is the Oscar worthy worthiest moment. You know how I love to talk about what the Oscar scene was, and I, I haven't I haven't watched the, the show, and I know we don't see the clips, but I would really like to know which clip they picked. They probably didn't pick this one, but they should have yeah. picked this one. I feel like it was probably the scene where he confronts Anthony Mackie because yeah, that's that that would have been my shouting. choice too. Yeah, that that seems like their their usual go to. Um, you, you mentioned that he he looks like a boy in that shot, and yeah. that, that's like a, a big sort of part of the character. There's the scene where he he reconnects with his uh, ex-girlfriend at the oh, park yeah. <laughs> that's another uh, shot which, yeah yeah that that's another whole aspect to this character that uh when she appears this... for the first time and she talks to him and again the way he looks at her and he's yeah. not sure if he's embarrassed or if he should start flirting with her or there's so many things going on in his face and and again that's why i'm so impressed with gosling because he can do so, do so much with his face without talking much and, yeah. and he's going through so many different emotions and you can feel everything. It feels so real. It never feels acted, I think. Yeah. And I think that what's, what makes him, especially in this film, really, really special. Yeah, yeah. And, and like his, his whole, in all of the teaching scenes that we get, his whole sort of thesis is that history is uh, change. And like, like that history yeah. is differences. History is opposites. And that, that is how you define history over time it is the the changes and the opposites and the the uh uh i i want to say dianetics dialectics i <laughs> i get those words confused and those are very very different schools of thought to get confused um but well, it happens in a movie you remember yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like I, when he's with, with with his family and and one of his family members says oh what is it you're teaching dianetics <laughs> different so thing. that's actually a joke in the movie so i, I it's, forgot yeah. about that um but uh and so with that in mind, the scene where he, he's uh, reconnecting with the ex, uh, anytime they sort of make reference to her, uh, it is implied that she was also a, a heavy drug user when they were together and rehab worked for her. She's now gotten out. She's gotten clean. She's engaged. She has a better life. And he, even though he, he you know, has a career, he's still doing drugs. He's still single. He lives in this gross ass apartment by himself. <laughs> 
with a cat that he obviously doesn't take care of because it it dies. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in that scene, like he he's talking about how like, yeah, no, I I can't change. I'm still the same person I always was. I'm a big asshole. And she goes, no, you're not an asshole. You're just a baby. Which yeah, like mm-hmm. it goes back to yeah, what you were saying you about go, how he yeah. looks like a boy. He is he's for as much as he is, you know, supposed to be a role model to these children, he's just as much an immature person as some of that some of them are like he's cracking jokes with them in ways that like it gets them to relate to him but also isn't really sticking to the curriculum isn't really uh they're they're it's it's a good way to teach them the material but it's not the way that he's supposed to uh obviously very pointed that he's young he's he's a young teacher he was like 25 when they made this movie which uh, apparently in the original script the the character yeah. in his like mid 30s but they made the character younger to adapt to ha- uh, having cast gosling in the role um but yeah he, he's, he's just throughout the movie he comes across as very immature and part of him knows it but also part of him sees himself as much more mature than he actually is and considers himself to be a more mature person and that's where i feel like a lot of the internal clash comes i i, I don't know what, what, what do you feel how do, how do you feel about I, that aspect i don't completely agree on that i think that he has some immature aspects definitely uh, in himself like and, and drugs of course and the way he looks sometimes and the way he deals with certain problems certainly uh, points at that but i think especially the way he teaches is very mature because he knows what he's talking about and I think it's not a sign of immaturity that he doesn't stay to the curriculum because he's mature enough to see through it and to yeah. see what's actually important for these kids. Okay, and you can yeah. only do that if you are mature, if you know, if you are on, on a way on the other side. Like, he's not, what he's not doing, what he could be doing is to say, hey, let's do something cool and fun and we just play some games or we do rap music. Or and He's not doing that. He really wants to teach them something that he thinks, I mean, dialectics is not something that you can do if you're mature. Yeah, I think that there is something. And I think it also in other scenes, like the scene with uh, Frank, the, the drug dealer played by Anthony Mackie, like the things he says there also shows that he really has like, he has so many ideas. And, and, and I mean, we have to talk about his relationship to Dre, the girl, too. And there are also moments of immaturity, but also a lot of moments of maturity where he feels responsible to take care of her, which you can also do only do if you have a certain maturity within yourself. So I think it's, it's not as simple as that. He's not just an immature person. Yeah, we maybe yeah, we I, I get think to the ending as that, well, but yeah, I think it's that, not as simple, especially yeah, the teaching scenes. That actually, uh, you know, that that ties into the whole other thing he's talking about in this, uh, in a lot of his lessons, is the the idea that we are made of our opposites. In in mm-hmm. like like when he's talking about the machine. Uh, the yeah. machine is like the government and the education system and the prison system and, you know, white privilege and all this stuff. And he is a part of the machine. He's white. He works for the government. But he also still clashes against it. He he disagrees with a lot of their tenets, but he still functions within the machine. Uh, same thing when he's talking about yin-yang and the, mm-hmm. the idea that good and bad coexist uh, together and how sort of the Western Christocentric belief that like uh every, everything god made is perfect in nature really gets away from some of those ideas and th- and that i feel like is probably a, a more 
a more accurate way to describe the character is he has a lot of maturity and a lot of immaturity. He is, you know, giving Dre these life lessons while he's driving her home from the, from the game saying like, Hey, uh, I no. she, she's saying like, Oh, you should have not, not, uh, you should have knocked that guy out. You should have knocked out that uh, coach when he made the bad call. Uh, and he's like, no, that's, that's not the right thing to do. There's other ways to handle that. And this is coming after having, uh, cursed out the coach, thrown a basketball at him and punched a wall <laughs> yeah. so hard that his, his knuckles are bruised. Uh, and, you know, he's being very mature and saying like, hey, no, I know that that's the impulse that you would have had, but you need to, you know, you need to, sometimes you need to step back and handle things in other ways, but that's not how he handled it. And then she makes a little wisecrack about how like, oh yeah, like, like the way you handle things, the way mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, you're a drug addict, uh, which the, the way that, that it takes a while for either of them to really acknowledge the fact that they know that he's a, a drug user uh, is, is an interesting thing that the script plays with because uh, after I mean, in a way, they never talk about it. Yeah, like even when she ends up at the end of the movie selling him drugs, they don't <laughs> yes. say a word. They don't say a single word to each other in that scene. I don't, I actually don't, I would be, do they ever actually no really talk about him? No, they about? don't. I was serious. Like there's oh, this wow, moment yeah. in his apartment where she wants to talk about it and and he like he he stays silent and smiles and then they, he he switches topics and that's it and the next time yeah she sells him drugs and he smiles at her and it's like this is the moment where they seem to be understanding each other in a way like yeah. accept each other but and this is something that i find really fascinating about this movie that i want to get into is how when we stay with this character i'm when you see the movie starts and you see him as his teacher and you see him using drugs you really think you know where this movie will be going but again, the scene where she sells him drugs is one of the last scenes of the movie. So one question that you could really ask is, is there any growth in his character, actually? Isn't he, in a way, almost at the same place in the end that he was before? I mean, the very end, uh, to quote-unquote signify growth, uh, they've cleaned up his apartment and he's shaved his beard, which I guess is supposed yeah, to signify that he is that's true. a better person. But that's not much, now. right? Like, no, no, beards grow back. Apartments get dirty. Again. That, <laughs> exactly. like, those, are both, those are both very temporary changes. And I think that's maybe what it's trying to say by having the, like, the only real tangible changes we see him make in his lifestyle are changes that are not permanent. Uh, the, yeah. Just the, the momentary decluttering and uh, clean shavenness. And then it just ends with that. Like, there's no signaling of, of personal growth. It's all just very superficial. And I think the biggest change is what I mentioned before, is that they, their relationship has changed and that they have accepted each other. Yeah. I mean, we, we, when I said that she seems to accept that he's a drug user and he seems to accept that at this point, like, there's no rehab or any, none of that stuff happens in this movie. Never. Yeah. But, but the other way around, too, like, he's not saying, oh, no, you are a drug dealer. We have to stop that he seems to accept that as well. So there's like, they, they just say, well, that's how it is. <laughs> I take drugs, you sell drugs. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, and this is really fascinating because it leaves you really as a, as a viewer with like, like there's no, no easy answer at all at the end of this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a movie that has easy answers. It, it's all very, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, how many movies do that? Like provide these conflicts that you've seen, but normally you see some, like you see a, a three X structure and so on, which this movie still has. But at the end, we're in a way where we were at the beginning. Like yeah. he is still at his apartment and it's a bit more clean. And, and I mean, I have to bring this up. Like 
it's the first and last shot are very similar in this movie because yeah. it starts in his apartment and it ends in, on his, in his apartment. The difference is that he's not alone anymore, but the mess is in his head and everywhere in his life is still the same. He's just together with someone who also has a messy life. Yeah. <laughs> But but they're uh, at and least who shouldn't be in his apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There there's a lot of stuff going on with that whole dynamic, uh, and and we can talk about that when we get into the rest of the movie. Yeah, sorry. We'll talk about her too. Yeah. No, no. Just uh, uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention in terms of him being immature uh, that that I forgot to mention earlier. There's the scene where he's he's talking about opposites and he's talking about you know. Uh, inflection points in in time and in history and the principal shows up and is like hey have you opened the binder of curriculum i gave to you and she gives him a chewing out and he's like i i looked through it there's some interesting stuff in there but, but yeah i will i will follow your lead or whatever um and then at the end of that scene when he's walking back into the classroom she's like are you chewing gum right now and he he, <laughs> he takes the gum out of his mouth and puts it in her hand like he's I mean, yeah, she's his boss, but he's he's still yeah. a teacher, and he's he's being reprimanded like he's a student, and it's it's just another. I I think the movie works considerably more in having such a young character, having him yeah. be twenty five and not like thirty five, and that it's such a, a a small margin of difference in the long run. Like there's there's no real. Uh, like tangible benefit to having a a younger character in like in as far as plot but just in terms of who this character is i think it makes a lot more sense to have someone like ryan gosling in this role rather than uh like the substitute teacher at the end of this movie the the guy that comes in that's the light yeah he's the (laughs) actor that had played uh Dan in the short that they did at Sundance. Uh, interesting. Uh, and I didn't he's, know that. Yeah, and he like reads as much older and much less relatable to these kids. And I think like one, just to sell the friendship between him and Dre, you need him to be you know, he's like 12 years old, older than her. They, they are not all that far apart in terms of just like generationally. They, they have a lot in common. Uh, more so than she would have with a an older teacher. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's really smart, uh, retroactive uh, uh, script work to have this be a younger character. Uh, and Gosling definitely reads as young. He definitely yeah. uh, uh, seems like a fresh out of college fuck up who thinks he has the world all figured out. Like, when he goes out to the bar and he's telling these girls like mm. uh, all this big philosophical stuff. And then uh, uh, the date that he has with the teacher. Uh, yeah. Well, the the first time when, when he's on the ground, just like rambling on and on and on about the weapons of mass destruction yes. uh, and uh, how 75% of uh, Bush's voters like still believe that, uh, that there are WMDs and all that. And you just cut over to her just like, staring at him because it, it's it, you get the feeling that he's been rambling about this for a long time mm-hmm. very very uh, uh assured of his own convictions and very uh likes to which, hear himself talk when he gets into these movies yes which, and this moment really dates the movie interestingly in 2006 i think right yeah the, 
to have a monologue like this about uh, WMDs and so on and so on. I found that very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I another, agree. Um, You're right. Yeah, go, go, on, go on. I was just going to bring up, there's one other point in that, uh, that date sequence that he has uh, where he's talking about uh, his, his, how he used to be a lot worse in terms of drugs and goes, uh, no, no, but, but now I've, I've, I've cleaned up. I've cleaned up and immediately goes and does a line of Coke and comes up and is like, for the most part, I mean, I, mean, I do it now to get by, but like, I, I can handle it. I have, I have a handle on it. And he very clearly doesn't, but he, he very clearly thinks that he does. And that, that again ties into the whole immaturity aspect of it all is that he thinks he is a much more responsible person than he is, but he is subject to these rash decisions. Um, he, he does have these outbursts. There's a point where he's just sitting in his car later on after he's been spurned by Dre. And like he, in that whole sequence where he gets mad at her for wanting to go with Frank instead, he's very petty. He's acting mm-hmm. like a child. And he, you know, she's like, hey, are you okay? You're sitting in your car out here. It seems like something's <laughs> wrong. Do you need some company? And he goes, I'm not, I'm not your friend. I'm your teacher on all this stuff. Uh, and he just like pushes her away and she calls him an asshole and he leans out of the car and shouts bitch at her. <laughs> Which like, yeah, it, yeah. even if he is, he does have these very mature moments as well. He is still incredibly immature when he doesn't get his way when he is wallowing in this self-pity and this self sort of what i don't just you know when he's in his depths he gets very very uh uh mopey and yeah I mean, what makes it so interesting is that he's still not a completely unsympathetic character, right? Yeah. Although he has this really, like, he's a truck user. He's really immature in many, many aspects. You're right. He does I mean, assault Isabella. Like, he, he shows up at her apartment. Exactly, yeah. That's what I wanted morning. to talk about, yeah. yeah. And that's another scene that comes rather at the end of the movie, right? That's not a sign of growth, more the opposite. It's also not a turning point for him. Like, he does that. It's terrible. It's incredibly uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Because you want him to be better, of course, right? You feel for him and you hope that things get better. And then, like, she punches him, which is also where he again looks like a boy in a way. Like, he just gets this punch and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And then he stands at the door and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And I didn't want to do this. And, and again, really immature the way he tries to deal with it. And he has no idea what to do. And we yeah. don't see her. Like, we don't see her reaction to any of this bullshit. We don't see her again for the rest at of all the yeah she's gone yeah and she probably is gone from his life right i mean we oh, can yeah. just assume i mean he's fired anyway at the end of the movie so he's not even teaching anymore yeah and you still it's it, you still don't hate this character at all right and i think that's so interesting it's, which is true for most of the characters yeah I mean, when we get to talk about frank which is also very interesting how the movie deals with him as well yeah i, I was surprised by how his character developed over time and how he's presented early on as like, oh, this is maybe a dangerous person to be in Dre's life. This is maybe someone we want to get her away from. But at the end of the day, is he uh, all that much worse of an influence yeah. than Dan? It's really hard to say who's worse, right? Yeah. It's really, really hard to say. Which makes the scene where, where, uh, where Dan confronts him so interesting because, again, you expect, again, that they get into a fight or that he threatens him. And I don't know. And instead they 
they they hook up and he goes to his house to take drugs yeah frank is the one that diffuses the tension there he's the one that's like hey man do you need something to drink do you want to you want to go get a peppermint because he notices that he that he's that that he needs something right yeah that's why the scene is so good because he he's saying all the things that he's supposed to say you know you shouldn't do that but he doesn't really know what he wants to say yeah he literally like that's the whole the way the scene ends up is the uh, well, the confrontation is about, uh, like, Dan goes to, to Frank and is like, hey, uh, do, do me this favor. Please just, like, stay out of Dre's life. Just, like, yeah. you are a bad influence on her. You, she does not need uh, to get into this whole world. I've seen it fuck people up. I've seen, well, because Frank is a drug dealer. I don't remember if we mentioned that. But, like, I've seen uh, how this can go. Her brother is in prison for uh, for." Yeah some drug related offense we can assume uh and and like after all this outbursts and stuff frank is like well what she she needs someone like you would you be a better influence and dan just sort of like exasperatedly shouts i don't know (laughs) yeah exactly i love this moment that's so great it's very honest that's his character in a nutshell in a way right yeah because he knows that he's also not a good influence he knows that he doesn't know what to do with her yeah. But again, and that's where I come back to, but he wants to, and that's different, I think, right? This yeah. is something where he has matured. He sees something in her <laughs> and he doesn't want her <clears throat> to ruin her life, right? Yeah. He could not just not care about her. That would be exactly. easy for him to say, well, she's just one of those girls, one of the students I have, whatever. And yeah. Many end up like that, but he sees something in her that, that he really wants to protect. Yeah, I think that is also a little bit one of the the film's uh not issues but like when when you take a, a step back and realize this is the only student he seems to have this sort of personal connection with there's yeah. like well, the only the, the only other student that he has any sort of like repeated interaction with is the guy that's cheating off the test of the girl in front of him other than that yeah. it's like the <clears throat> the rest of the class is just sort of a, an amalgam of students that uh, recur like we we see the same students over and over, but none of them really get the same uh, treatment that uh, that Dre seems to get, and you know that that's the the film acknowledges that it acknowledges that this yeah. is maybe a bit of a weird attachment that he's that he's placing on her, but I don't know it it, it it's again all the way back to the uh, oppositional. Uh, yeah, Dianetic yin yang of it all is that there is good in him and there is bad in him, and that doesn't make him a good person or a bad person. It just makes him a person. And I mean, that's I, I think what the film is trying to say, and it it gets <clears throat> it ag- an, across pretty well. Another moment that showcases that very well is the dancing scene when yeah. they have this dance and he's dancing with the students. And at first, it's like a cool moment. Oh look, the teacher is dancing with us, which is like you know. That's what a cool teacher would do. He wouldn't just stand there and watch and, and, and supervise them. <clears throat> and then he gets closer and closer to Dre so that they're like almost like really, really, I, I don't know, like, like tied. Yeah, it, he's and, like, and, at first it's like he's he, just like spinning her around and he's yeah, doing like, right. a, like that kind of dance. Like but then fun he's like, dancing. And he's like all up on her and it's very and, uncomfortable. And like it cuts away to other people at the dance looking over them. Yeah, like, but what's going on there? But their looks are also not, there's not looks of shock. It's more like, what's going on? 
Yeah. Again, the movie does not do what you expect. It's not like, hey, this is too much. And he is the one who notices himself yeah. and, and suddenly moves back and he's like, oh, wait, no, I shouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and probably not because he, he wanted that and, and, and couldn't stop himself. He probably didn't just think about it, right? He just yeah. was in the moment and then he realized, oh, no, not a good idea. I don't know what I'm doing. I just this moved is back appropriate. and then it's over. I, yeah. yeah, and then, I, and then like, the- that's the only time <laughs> the movie really gets into the sort of uh, the implications of a, a male teacher becoming very fixated on a young female student. And I mean, that's not the story the movie's telling, so it no. doesn't need and to I focus the, on that anymore. But like, from, the yeah. looks we see from the other students are only the implication that that's what it could look like from the outside. Yes. But I don't think the movie gives any, any, any clue that this is something that's possible, that there's yeah. anything like sexual or romantic between them. Yeah, because there's there's and he's just lost in a moment yeah. at this at this point. The dancing has nothing sexual. He just forgets what he's doing. Like he yes. would do that with any friend, probably. Yeah, because he sees her as a friend at that point. Yeah. He's he and that's and she is. <laughs> yeah, but that's also another issue with him is that he's he's when he treats her like a friend like that, he forgets that she's you know still a student and that she's still a child, and he's treating her like appear like an equal and not remember like oh yeah i still have to be a role model to you i still have to be an adult who you know like he's he he forgets that that's the dynamic that he has to uphold that he has to have that distance from her as the the uh the teacher uh role model figure i, I guess i don't really know if i'm uh, if i'm phrasing that right but just I'm just, just wondering the, do we ever see that he teaches her something yes. that he teaches her in class? <laughs> yes, the, when he's talking about the machine. When, Actually, he, when he's yeah. asking the class for examples of the machine and that one kid says robots and he's like, yeah, I mean, I guess it could be robots, but like, what are some other examples of the machine? Uh, she's the one that says prisons. Yeah. And then there's also a... And she uh, does Attica, right? The presentation, because we get those no. presentations. Someone else does Attica. She does the uh, Allende oh. assassin, uh, assassination. And oh yes, right. She's yeah, the one right. that talks about the September uh, Kiss- 11th. Yeah, Kissinger uh, bringing in Pinochet to, and uh, the massacres and uh, that whole regime and everything. That that's a, a framing device that the movie has throughout, where every once in a while it'll cut to one of his students giving a sort of speech about some some moment in history. Uh, one of them talks about Brown, Brown v. Board of Education. Yeah. Uh, one of them talks about the election and assassination of Harvey Milk. One of them talks about Attica. Uh, and then uh, Dre is the last one. And she talks about the, the U.S.-backed coup uh, assassinating Allende and, and bringing in Pinochet. And while I think this is the movie's weakest element, in a way, because it seems a bit out of place and... and I don't know, I, the way it's presented and they look straight at the camera and all of that stuff, I, I don't know, I, it doesn't really work for me. But it does show that they learn something after all, right? That, yeah. that is part of the curriculum, basically, or probably, maybe not Pinochet and everything, but they are learning something. They are doing the work. They are not just having fun. Yeah. So in the end, like, and we have to assume that this is what he taught them to do with those presentations. So yeah. then we see that they take something away from his class after yeah, all yeah he's he's not a bad teacher even if by the end by his the last class <clears> we see him teach he's just sort of like standing in the back of the classroom rambling on because at this point he's like coming off of a really bad 
drug trip yeah, right before, course, or yeah. like a hang or something. Yeah. But he he's like off in his own world, talking you know more thinly veiled about his own life than about actual yeah, yeah. history. And you see some of the kids are like, "What's going on here? Are we, <laughs> are we supposed to be taking notes on this or what?" But like, I don't know that that sort of sp- uh, spiral that he finds himself in. I think Gosling really shows that really well. Uh, and, and it's something that's like the uh, the seeds for that are sown very early on. Uh, there's the scene after the first basketball game before he goes and smokes the crack in the bathroom where he's talking to just like a couple of parents. Uh, and <coughs> like He keeps like bouncing his leg. He, he, he has a nervous tick that he keeps doing in this movie where he like wipes his mouth on the collar of his shirt. Uh, I, but like he does I've a lot seen of- Gosling do that in other movies, by the way. Oh, wait, really? So oh, maybe I've never, it's Gosling's take. I've never <laughs> I noticed, noticed that, that because until this. I've been doing a, a deep dive on Gosling uh, just today, and and then and I don't remember which movie it was, but I saw him do a similar thing in another movie, and I thought, oh, maybe that's something that he does. Huh. That's an interesting... Someone, like, you know how there's all this stuff about how, like, oh, Tom Hanks, all, or Tom Cruise always runs, Brad Pitt's always <clears> eating <throat> food, uh, like, all this sort of, like, character ticks. Is, is that a Ryan Gosling thing? Some Someone... I, I want to fund that. I don't want to be the one that does all that research. But someone, someone else, do that and, and see if that's just a a coincidence or if it is a Ryan Gosling tick. I would. So I have to. Curious. I have to bring that up right right now because it's it's. Uh, I I watched all the I, today or and yesterday. I watched all the Ryan Gosling movies I hadn't seen before. And again, when we talk about his career, I can talk a little bit more about that. So I have seen all of his movies now. And and oh, wow. what I noticed in just the movies that I watched, it was like five or six movies. I had seen a lot already is that a, besides that take that maybe is a take of his, and I, I don't know because I haven't wa- rewatched all of them, is that when you look at the behind the scenes, like there's the moment in Half Nelson where he picks up the cat. I don't know if you've read about that. Yeah. And uh, that was a moment, a spontaneous idea by him. Like he picks up a cat and they just left it in a movie that was not in the script. And in most or in many of the movies, just a few movies that I've watched, something like that happened, that Gosling did something that was not in the script and made it into the movie. And I think that says a lot about him as an actor, that he manages to have interesting choices that no one had foreseen, not the director, not the script, but that are working or make his character so interesting that they stay in the movie. Like in, in the end of Murder by Numbers, he licks Sandra Bullock's face. I, yeah, I do, I do remember. Re- is that, was that while they were dating or was it before? Yes, while they were dating. Okay. But it was his idea. And he asked if that was okay if he did that. I and it stayed it. in the movie. And it's the strangest moment in this whole strange finale when he I, licks her face. I don't remember what the moment is. But I remember that there is one like that in The Nice Guys. That's like one of the funniest moments in the movie was improvised by him. I could be misremembering that, but I feel like I, I remember that being a thing. I wouldn't be surprised because is I'm that, sure we would find that in many of his movies because yeah. that just seems to be something he's really good at. He, yeah. Finding those improvised moments that really work for the character. Yes, he's... For as much as he is like a... a one of the closest things we have to an actual like movie star right now in terms of just like classic marquee looks, but also the talent to back it up. Uh we don't really we don't really assess him as like a a great actor in the way that we maybe should uh generally but let's, because he yeah, has some let's talk about that when we talk about his career because, we can, because yeah, we i can. think it's so should we do that now okay. yeah we can do that now do you have anything else about this particular <laughs> performance or do we want to we'll, we'll still we'll, this will still be considered part of this first section here 
Uh, okay. But yeah. So, I think we talked about everything I want to talk about for Half Nelson. Yes, and, I think um, I did. Or at least mm -hmm. for him specifically in it. Yeah. And because his career, I mean, if you know anything about him, you know, he like, was one of the Disney kids and so on and so on. And they're like, he only made like one movie, which is a Frankenstein and me, uh, which is not a movie that anyone needs to watch. I don't um, even think it has a Wikipedia page. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like it's, and it's completely forgettable that it has Bert Reynolds in it too. And he like, huh. Ryan Gosling doesn't even play the lead. Like he's just like the best friend of the, the main kid. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's really, it's completely forgettable. But his career, if you look at his career, what he almost never does is making big Hollywood movies. Yeah. And when you say he's like something, we have like a star, I find that so interesting. I mean, first of all, he has made really few movies in his career. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, really and like 26 movies. If you include Frank said, I mean, 26 movies is not, a, is not much. Yeah. Has he, okay, am I remembering wrong? Has he not done a movie since First Man? No, he hasn't. The Gray Man is his first Gray Man movie. is his first movie since First Man. Since First Man in the, in the past four, four years. years. Yeah. And that's crazy, right? And that's and I find it so interesting that they say he's a movie star because I would agree. But for a movie star to just pause for four years I mean, and then come back with the gray man. Of it's all also things. not the only time that he's done that because there was the no, whole, no, no. The whole gap uh, after he got fired from the Lovely Bones for gaining all that weight that he didn't need to. Uh, right, yeah. Because he he uh, he was cast in the lead role in The Lovely Bones, the Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, right. I remember that. And yeah. uh, decided of his own accord that that character had to be uh, overweight. So he like ate a diet of nothing but like melted Ben and Jerry's to gain like 40 pounds. And then he showed up on set and Peter Jackson was like, why did you do this? We didn't ask you to do this. You're fired. And so then he had to spend a while like losing all that weight. And so that's why he's not in anything like for a while before Blue Valentine, which also was a... a uh, yeah, there's a three-year gap. Yeah. And, and like Blue Valentine was also a bit of a long shoot because they, had, they did the, the flashback stuff and then they paused for a while mm. for him to, you know, gain a little bit of weight back <laughs> and, uh, you know, grow out the beard and everything and then do the... the, the future or the main timeline of that uh which by the way yeah this is my second ryan gosling episode because uh blue valentine one of my earliest episodes very good episode go go check that one out if you haven't um agree yeah but yeah but again yeah, so, like so, if you look at his career like he has this breakout with the believer a phenomenal movie i don't know if you've ever seen it i have not that's the neo-nazi one right yeah, but it's so, it's, I watched this yesterday and I was so blown away by it. And I watched it and that's why I started doing this little deep dive because in many reviews of Half Nelson, which is 2006, many reviewers talked about The Believer, which was 2001. And I found that so interesting that many people refer to a movie that he made five years ago, although he made The Notebook in between, yeah. which was like a big hit. The Notebook was huge. That's like, that's why that's what really made him a, a movie star. And like, yeah. it, it took a while for him to have another, like not another hit, but like he did some stuff it, like after the notebook, it takes a while for him to get yeah. like, to, to become a steadily working at like all of the, I, I, I guess I sort of credit the, the main, uh, I guess, timeline of movie star Ryan Gosling really starting with, Drive and Crazy Stupid Love and uh, I guess Ides of March in that year, but like that year being his, yeah. his like his year, 
uh, yeah, definitely. Really 2011 sets is... off the the next several years of well, that's why I think. I mean, again, watch the believer because then you know why people refer to his performance. It's it's absolutely incredible what he does in this movie. It's really, really, absolutely amazing. And then he does some indie movies. He does Murder by Numbers, as we talked about before, which was not a big hit. And and you know. The Slaughter Rule. No one has ever heard of that. Yeah. United States of Leland is completely forgotten. Then The Notebook. And then Stay, which is also a movie that maybe some people have seen, but it's not a big hit. Then you have Huff Nelson, finally, his first yeah. Academy Award nomination. Then which you have is Fracture with like, Anthony Hopkins. I, I do just want to bring up, it's yeah. interesting. Uh, so uh, I, I think I mentioned, or I know I have it written down. I don't remember if I mentioned, but he is uh, to date the eighth youngest nominee for best actor oh wow uh and it is because so often like the the whole like the whole uh i don't know something that people bring up a lot in reference specifically to best lead actor is the sort of like slap the stud syndrome where if you're a young attractive actor that can act oftentimes the academy will uh I guess, take you for granted until later in your career. Like, he's already got it all going for him now. We don't need to also give... Like, like DiCaprio being the one major snub for Titanic, which ends yeah, up getting yeah. nominated everywhere else. That's a good example, yeah. Uh, that, like, that's the biggest example. Uh, but it's happened all throughout. Uh, like, n- not quite the same thing, but like Cary Grant getting so few nominations uh, kind of gets chalked up to that. <laughs> Uh, Montgomery Clift getting uh, overlooked for a lot of his career. Uh, it taking so long for Pacino to get his win. Uh, these are all kind of like uh, Brando being the only cast member from Streetcar that doesn't win. Uh, these are all offshoots of the sort of slap the stud idea. But that Gosling was able to get a nomination anyway this early in his career from a very small movie. I think really speaks to just how strong this performance is. Uh, I I just, I remembered that I hadn't brought that up yet. And that was something that I, that's true. Yeah. But it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, and you're right. I mean, then there's Fracture uh, with Anthony Hopkins, another thriller, which is very similar to Murder by Numbers in a way. And then his last and the real girl, which also gives him some attention, but it's also like a really small movie. And then you're right. I mean, it's Blue Valentine. There's all good things that people forget. And then you're right, then it's 2011 and you have Drive, like the, I don't know, cult that's, hit. Yeah, that's the beginning of, wow, he's literally me, Ryan Gosling. When uh, uh, most of those people that say, wow, he's literally me to like Drive and Blade Runner 2049, probably more accurately uh, closer to Dan Dunn here. Uh, yeah. Just, you know. And what's know. so interesting about Drive making him kind of iconic is that it's and that's what i what i noticed so much in watching all of these movies now is that it's not his most like in drive he's this silent character that doesn't show a lot of emotions he suddenly gets violent all of that stuff and i think he became kind of famous for that in a way in many of his follow-up movies but if you watch his whole career he is a very expressive actor like in many of his movies, again, and if you watch something like Murder by Numbers or many of these movies, like he, he shows so much, such a wide range, so many takes and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. Drive is what like, where he's like, and, and, and I mean, Stupid Crazy Love, uh, Crazy Stupid Love is similar, right? He's like the, the serious one who just shows how it's done. It's a comedy, 
Yeah. And he's good at comedy. He has oh, proven very, that like, again and again. Like the nice guys is one of the, yeah. like one of the funniest performances of the past. But people 10 were years. surprised, right? People yeah. were surprised. And and but if you look at all of his performances, I shouldn't it shouldn't be a surprise. But then, yeah. I mean, after that, 2011 is such a breakthrough. But then, I mean, the Ides of March is not helping. No. And then he does the place beyond the pines, you know, which he famously is not in all of. We'll say, no, yeah, was a bit of a And then there's thing. Gangster Squad, and then there's Only God Forgives. You know, all these movies, these big movies, or more or less big movies that no one really watches, or not many people watch. And then there's the big short in 2015, so four years later. It's not like this this career jumpstart really happens. Yeah. And then... Uh, because he makes different choices, because he wants to be in these smaller art house movies. Yeah, he directs right? in that time. He, he does Lost River. Yeah, he makes one uh, movie, yeah, time. right. And yeah. then I think he stays in that lane, right, with the nice guys, and then La La Land, of course. His second nomination, um, and, which I always... Blade Runner. I always forget that he did get nominated for La La which, like... It doesn't make sense that I would forget it because that was also a big sweeper hit. They they nominated it pretty much everywhere. But I never think about that being a nominated performance. I guess Me because too. I think part of that is because Emma Stone yeah. kind of swept that season uh, as far as winning and Gosling was never really a threat to beat Affleck or Washington. It was really down to Affleck and Washington that whole season. And he was just sort of along for the ride as a distant third i would assume uh and so i i never really think about him factoring into that race at all and i think that there are two reasons for that one is that la la land got so much attention that and gosling was never really the focus of that i mean he was the lead role and, and as you said it's the emma stone of it all that that really made that um and also that he didn't get nominated for his more iconic roles before, right? I yeah. think that also played a role in it. It's like, oh, well, there's this big Oscar movie we have now. Okay, we just include Gosling as well, right? We can give him a nomination for that. I think yeah. that's what it feels like. And that's why I think it's easy to forget again and again that he was nominated for that. Yeah. And then First Man and so on. Which brings us then to Grey Man. Have you seen The Grey Man? I have not seen. This is the second episode in a row where I've been asked if I've seen The Grey Man uh, because we talked about it uh on the starman episode that just went up today uh i have not and i will not see the gray man i have no interest in seeing the gray man so uh because i I felt a duty to fulfill my uh my promise to watch all ryan gosling movies today i watched the gray man like two hours ago maybe and finished it and and hated it so much so much more than i would have ever expected but uh, let's not talk about the gray man but but if you if we just talk about gosling in this movie like he is asked to do nothing and he like i mean they just announced that they will make a franchise out of all of this right oh, and he's God, like the, yeah. he he's like the face of it <laughs> and that's why i come back to what he said that he is this movie star and he becomes now this face of this action netflix franchise which everyone hates it's one of those movies where you go okay everyone hates it it only gets bad reviews and what happens next? They announce to make it a franchise. It's which because is, the I Russos guess, have all the power in Hollywood right now. It's it's crazy. And I mean, everyone forgets that they already made a movie that no one has no <laughs> yeah. one is talking about anymore, right? Oh it's man, so Cherry. so crazy. Yeah. Um <laughs> but but in this movie, he's so nothing. Like he doesn't get to do anything. He doesn't, he's not even the the silent type. He's just he just has to do action nonsense yeah. that could be done by anyone. Like Chris Evans at least tries something interesting in this movie and looks weird and everything. But Gosling is really, like, you, you forget that you watched a Gosling movie once the movie's over. 
it's yeah. it's really really strange it's i would say this is his worst performance easily i mean i don't even know like like you said he doesn't do a lot of movies i don't even know what else he would say to compete against that not even having seen the gray man like he generally doesn't give bad performances even when he's in no less like i don't like the ides of march at all no but i don't think he's the problem he's good yeah he's, no he's good he's one it. of the like three performances him. in that movie that i think are good it's him and philip seymour hoffman yeah. and uh uh oh who, who's the other one that i liked in that movie i know that it's the other the other campaign strategist that sort of is at odds with hoffman oh, it's man. somebody uh I'm sure it's I'm somebody gonna, i'm gonna pull up the cast list see oh paul giamatti i think paul giamatti oh, yeah, is right, good in yeah. that uh but yeah clooney's not very good uh, they wasted Marissa Tomei. Jeffrey Wright gets yeah, wasted. It's not, a, it's not a good movie. It's a it's, bad, it's not even just not a good, it's a bad movie. It is an Yeah, it's a bad, bad movie. movie. Um, but his performance is good. His performances, I would say just roundabout, I would say they're all good. Except yeah. for the gray man. And that he took a break for four years to come back with this movie, like his biggest movie yet, I would maybe argue. I mean, it cost like $200 million or something, yeah. right? And, and it, it will be the start of this franchise. And he's so bad and everything is so bad. It's so, I, I think if you look at his whole career, this is the strangest moment in a way. Yeah. For this career, to have this movie now after this long break. He should have just waited a year and had a Barbie be his comeback. And I think we w- the world would have been better for it. I, yeah. uh, I'm very excited. I mean, I'll, I'm excited for the movie in general, but specifically I'm excited for his performance. Uh, I'm a bit skeptical because I think the hype is getting too big for me. That we all expect yeah. this to be amazing. But again, I have a lot of trust in Krita Gerwig, so I, I can't understand that. And and Margot Robbie is also amazing. So I, I don't see what could go wrong. Then again, I, I think we all forget that it's the, a Barbie movie and they need to be just doing something really, really clever to make this work. Yeah. And it's still a movie that has like a lot of money behind it, right? And probably also merchandise and everything. I, I think we should not forget about any of that that's true and but, if, they, if they're able to pull it off it will be amazing but i, I mean, think we should be a little bit skeptical if that works gosling did say it's the best script he's ever written or ever read sorry sure <laughs> but, but i mean i don't know it, that's probably just but but still i don't it's know it's a kind I'm, of movie I'm where you curious. shouldn't forget that the, this if the it studio is still, sees what they were doing if yes. they are still think that this is what they want to do and if they don't change it around or something right i mean it's not just some indie movie about barbie Right? Yeah, no, it's it's a big studio Barbie movie. I'm, I'm, That's why I'm a little bit skeptical that it will end up the way yeah. everyone wants it to be. We'll see. I'm, uh, I, I'm more optimistic than you seem to be. But yes, I, I do still think it has the potential to go either way. But uh, I mean, there are not I'm many not movies, but every still, every production still is is reposted and hyped as much as as from this movie right i think not even the lord of the rings series on amazon gets that much hype than <laughs> yeah. any barbie still which I, is kind of amazing if you think about it and that ryan gosling doing that i think is is actually promising because i think he is that good if he is not the gray man yes uh I anything else know. i'm not even sure if he's the gray man actually even after seeing this movie i don't know if he's the gray man or who's the gray man or what that is that the real gray man is the friends who made along the way or something i don't know <laughs> uh, anything else that we want to say Sorry. about uh gosling and half nelson or do we want to move on and talk about some of the rest of the movie um 
Well, I have a little game about Ryan Gosling that would fit right now. Okay, not, let's uh, do that now. This is I have more. We, okay, so this, <laughs> I'm just gonna say right now. I mean, you listening at home ha- can see the timestamp, can see uh, how long we're, <laughs> we're talking. We've been talking for an hour. We're on section one, and uh, this is already we're we're changing the format a little bit for this mini series because we're adding a little bonus section for each episode. So. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. This is going to be another three-plus-hour episode, but that's okay. Uh, no, no, we will wrap this up really, really quickly, I'm sure. Okay, let, let's go. Um, now, it won't be that long of a game, but, but I, I think it fits. Again, I tried to come up with a different game for each episode. Um, and for Gosling, what I have, and I think you will do this pretty fast, is you just have to tell me every movie that he was nominated for for a big critics award. Ooh, okay. Not a small award, like he was nominated for all kinds of stuff from different things that you can, but just, just give me all the movies you, you think. And we talked about some of them, so that, okay. that should be relatively easy. So Half Nelson, obviously. Oh, correct, yes. Uh, La La Land. Uh-huh. Lars and the Real Girl, I know he got a lot of stuff yeah. for. Including uh, Sack and Globe. Yes. It, didn't he get a Globe nomination for The Ides of March? He did. He did. Your only big nomination for that movie. Okay. Uh, the Globes first, went for it. Well, I mean, it it also got a an Oscar nomination for its screenplay. Yeah, well. Yeah. Um, uh, first Man is a Globe nominee, I think. No, but no. he got a Chicago Critics Broadcast Critics Circle and okay. so on. Critics so he choice. did get some, some critics. Critics choice is what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, Blue Valentine. Yes. I know he showed up at a bunch of places because I remember talking about that. I think that's another Globe choice. And some yes. critics. Oh yeah, he yeah. did get a Globe nomination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Globe showed him a lot more love than the Oscars. Yeah. Did he get a Comedy Globe nomination for Crazy Stupid Love? He did. Okay. And critics, and, and some oh, critics wow. uh, okay, uh, yeah. award, actually. And MTV <laughs> movie awards. <Okay. laughs> the only MTV movie award nomination he got was for Crazy Stupid Love. So you have three left. Three left. Did he get like an Indie Spirit nomination for United States of Leland or something? Nope. Not for United States of Leland. Okay. What about you're on the right track? Um, the the neo Nazi one whose whose title I have forgotten. The believer, the which believer. everyone should watch. It's amazing. Yeah, he did get indie spirit for that. Okay, how many more? And Chicago, two more. Two more. Okay, what else do we have? I don't think it's gonna be like only God forgives or song to nope. song. Nope. I- don't think he got a Comedy Globe nomination for The Nice Guys because that was the same year as La La Land and he won for La La Land. We are done with Globe nominations. Okay. Is The Nice Guys some of the critics. The Nice Guys, he got a lot of critic nominations for The Nice Guys. Okay, good. San Diego, Broadcast, Central Ohio, San Diego, I know, San Diego, I said twice. Anyway, he got a lot, he did get some critic love for that. Okay, you only have one movie left. We have talked about already. Is it Blade Runner? Did he get a no, nomination No, nothing for Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Okay. Oh, is it The Notebook? No. I mean, you get Teen Choice Awards for Blade well, Runner, but I'm not counting that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't the think notebook that. Notebook probably, that, too. Okay. Best kiss for The Notebook uh, with Rich Mac Adams well, that I he mean, supposedly did not get along with in the, on this movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, that kiss is on the poster. That's, uh, yeah. that's the reason it's... Uh, okay. A movie we talked about for Gosling. Uh, he didn't get a 
he didn't get something for the big short, did he? No, no. You were forgetting something obvious. I know I am. Oh, well, is it Drive? It's Drive. Yeah, it's Drive. drive is the, was the I last forgot. One. Yeah. I thought that I had already said it was the thing. No. No, you get some critics love and indie spirit for that one. Oh, he did get an indie spirit nomination for that. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. That's his uh, nominated or awards movies, I would say. His big awards movies. Yeah. Uh, which is 10 movies out of 26, which is not bad. Yeah. Do you think he's going to get an Oscar nomination for Barbie? <sighs> okay, I was just going out to say no. Okay. I think I think. I think we're at a point where we expect that too much. Globe, yes. Oscar, no. A Globe comedy actor, that seems like a... If the Globes are still a thing by by next year's awards, because, like, who knows what the state of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is going to be constantly in flux. But if the Globes are around for that year's awards, I feel like that's a safe bet. If the movie's successful, he and Robbie will get nominations at the Globes. Yeah. But the, we, what we also don't know is how big his role actually is That's true. compared to Roby. I mean, so, if he's a supporting role, I think that almost ups his chances just because they're much more, they, they, they're much more open to comedy performances in supporting roles rather than leads, especially like something big like that. I just think it will be the kind of movie that will have a harder time at the Oscars. Oh, it definitely it's will. Super, super successful. It would have to be successful critically and commercially. But it's not the kind of movie that normally gets Oscar love, I think. That's true. But we're we're in a state where who knows what normal is by Academy. But I, I would yes. say right now, people write it down right now, come back to me whenever this will happen. But I think he will not get an Oscar nomination for Barbie. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna <laughs> and go I'm saying on a that... limb and I'll say he will. <laughs> I don't know if you know, I don't know what, what other podcasts you follow, but there was the, the, the Hollywood Reporter. They have this uh, awards podcast where they talked about if Tom Cruise will get a nomination for Top Gun. And oh, in man. the episode, they noted that this might be an absurd question, but they think it's possible. And that's, that. I mean, if that po- is possible, then maybe... I mean, it's possible, possible, but I, th- I think uh, Best Picture is within the realm of possibility just because it was such I, a hit. I, I, uh, but I, I don't think Cruise has much of a shot. I don't know. Even best picture. I don't, anyway. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to talk about a popular yes. Oscar anymore because yes. if that happens, they have it already. Yes. Okay. So. But that was it. So we can move on and talk about the rest of Half Nelson. There's not as much to talk about here. Uh, there's really only a, Because we talked about a lot already. We did talk about a lot of it. Um, <laughs> What's up with basketball? We got a game tomorrow. What? Want to come? Your mom's gonna be there? Working. Pops. Fuck it, I'll come through. Somebody gotta represent. <laughs> Tina packed some sweets for Mike last night. Your brother was a good friend. Still is. Uh, but yeah, let, let's talk about Sharika Epps as, yeah. as Dre. Uh, she had, uh, she's reprising her role from the short film from uh, Gowanus Brooklyn. Uh, she's, she's a, a teenager. Uh, I don't, I don't know how old she was, but she's like a young actress right, in this movie. Open somewhere. This is her first feature after, after that short. Um, she's she's 17. Great. Okay. She's 17. Okay. And she's playing a 13 year old, but she reads as young. 
she yeah. definitely does. Uh, it is believable that she's a middle school student. Um, she's great in this. This is, uh, yeah, this is, a, is. A, this is a really strong performance. She, she has the exact right level of like m- maturity, but also still, you know, innocence in as much as she can be innocent in this world where, you know, she has an absent father and her mom's a, a cop and her brother's in prison and she's regularly, uh, you know, interacting with the drug business. Like she still manages to have that sort of uh, innocence that is uh, chipped away at a little bit over the course of the movie as, as she sort of, you know, the, the, parental figures and the guardian figures that she has in her life are shown to be as uh, as fallible and immature as uh, as her peers and that that really you know she has to come to terms with that she has to come to terms with this teacher that she respected is also a drug user and also a bit of a a a, a, a whiny crybaby when he when he gets mm-hmm. into his emotions and that she has to be the mature one on occasion uh, between the between their friendship, uh, she carries so much of this movie. Uh, yeah, just she, it's it's a very strong performance from her. She hasn't done a lot of acting no. then. Uh, I don't know, which is a shame. Yeah, the only big movie she has was Alien vs Predator: Requiem, where she was almost completely cut out of. Yeah, like, that's the biggest the biggest name on her on a filmography, which he's basically not part in anymore. And everything else are just movies that no one knows. It's, it's a bit of a shame, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's very good in this. And uh, I would, yeah. I, I would want to see how she has grown as an actress over the past, like 15, 16 years. I mean, uh, she was one of the most forgettable movies by Wes Craven, my soul to take. Oh yeah. Which, that which one. no one, which, which will make no one say, "Oh yes, my soul to take." Because if you have seen it, you probably have forgotten it already. And that's that's about it. Like all, every other movie is is really there. There is not much. Yeah, yeah, really, not a whole lot going on for her. But she was again, in a show in twenty twenty for Quibi, but you know. Oh, good for well, her. Good for her. Uh, probably not, but. <laughs> but yeah, no, she's really good here. Uh, like I said, I, I like that that part where uh, they're driving home from the game and he's trying to impart these life lessons about maturity. And she's just like, throws it back in his face. Like, Hey, you're, you're trying to teach me how to react responsibly to uh, things that frustrate you. And I caught you smoking crack (laughs) on the school grounds. And I had to like, keep you from passing out. I, I had to like carry you out to your car basically don't try to lecture me about yeah. being a responsible member of society. Uh, but then, but she does so completely playfully and in a way that's like, yeah, don't, don't get, don't get too full of yourself, man. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, she's a child, but she's also, she's, she knows more than he sort of uh, acts like sometimes she, she is a more yeah. mature person than he treats her on occasion. Because, like we said, he himself is not the most mature. Yeah. Uh, and she she puts him in his place with that. She uh, she she makes him know that like she's aware of things going on. Uh, yeah. But also in, in a way that is not alienating. Is not you know angry 
she's yeah. joking, but it, uh, there, there's depth to it. Yeah, the movie avoids, just like with him, avoids tropes with her that we could see. And I think that what makes her performance so good is that she, we, we also never really know what's, what she will do next. And I think yeah. that's really interesting. Um, and uh, she, that makes the movie, as, as I said before, I think what makes this movie so strong is that it's so ambiguous. You never know where it's going and it doesn't end up where you think it will end up. And you don't even really know where it ends up, right? And I think she plays that aspect of the movie really, really well. Because yeah. you also, at the end, you, you don't know where she's going. Because, I mean, she rejects Frank, the drug dealer, in the end. But we don't know. Like, we saw her selling drugs just moments before. So who knows? Yeah, right? she, like, th that's something else that I, I admire about this movie. Uh, and especially, like, it's worth noting, movie written and directed by two white people. Uh, yes. The fact that it, it doesn't go into the tropes of, like, oh, uh, the, like it, it shows a much more layered look at this uh, inner city drug trade and the the way yeah. it affects people. Like Frank is not just a flatly written menacing drug dealer no. villain, uh, and it is not seen as like the the pits of hell that she is forced into the drug trade. Like she like no, she just sort of picks it up because he's nice to her. And that's really it. Like, yeah, it, it's dark, it's brooding, it's it's un, unsavory, but it's not like the the depths of all evil that but, you definitely have seen in other movies where drug dealers are just sort of synonymous with all crime and depravity all at once. So, but to be fair, of course, we see her selling drugs only once. True. And we don't know if the movie is a bit manipulative by giving us the, 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 the place where she sells drugs is relatively harmless because you see it's organized by Dan, the teacher, right? Mm -hmm. uh, basically, he was, who buys drugs for everyone in a relatively harmless motel drug party. And it's not like a, a crack house or something. Yeah. But we don't know if the, if, if the movie doesn't want to show us how terrible it could have been or if Frank sent her in there where it's relatively safe. I feel like generally what it's the way that it uses the the drug dealing sections of the movie is that it's not uh exploitative like it this movie is not about this <coughs> white teacher trying to trying to steer her on the right path and steer her yeah. away from that like he he's i mean obviously he's a drug user he is as much in this life as she is. And he's trying to get her out of it because, you know, he, he wants her to, to do better things, but he's not really like going in there and rescuing her from the clutches of evil. He's not. I mean, the, the movie yeah. does never show us how drugs destroy people, basically. Right? We never see that. Outside of, outside of Dan. But even he, like he is still a relatively functioning member of society, right? Eh, kinda, kinda. Relatively, he, right? He doesn't, I mean, have, he gets fired, he doesn't have friends he, or anyone. Like sure. his family well, ostracizes him. His his dad makes that racist crack about his students. And, yeah, but like, but still, right? He, I mean, he has until he's also, fired. He's not fired for the drugs, right? But no. still. But also, like the it's, he was drunk, but he's also 
that's it's all it's all the self-destructive nature of it. He's a very self-destructive character, and but, the drugs but aren't. The helping. movie never makes the claim that the yeah right, but the movie never makes the claim that the drugs are the main problem. Yes, it I is not more more a symptom of his, yes. his state of mind. The movie and I think is that's, not. That's what I mean. The movie is not criticizing him for being a drug user. It is not demonizing him for the act of taking drugs. It's uh his issues lie elsewhere in his yeah. personality, uh, which. Uh, I think, and I think the movie is wise in that because we know that. We know drugs are bad and what they can yeah. do, right? We have seen that millions of times. Yes. The movie doesn't have to show us what could happen when it comes to drugs, when she starts selling drugs and all. We yeah. know that. And I think just the fact that we're able to have these discussions about the, the layered meanings of it all, uh, all ties back into just this is a really strong script. Yeah, this is a, it a is. really... Uh, it has a lot of smart things to say about its characters and its themes and it doesn't make them obvious and it doesn't make them cliched. Like there have been countless movies about Mm -hmm. white teachers in inner city schools that play into all the tropes of that, or even not, not just that, but like something like children of a lesser God, where you have a, a teacher who is hearing in a deaf school and that plays very much into like the privileged savior aspect of it all. Like the Again, fact many that many reviews compared this movie to Dead Poet Society and said, "No, this is what it's really like." Yeah, and as much, much more like Dead Poet Society, but yeah, it is realistic, right? It never has these moments of kids lightening up and they're all singing together or doing yeah. something, and it doesn't happen. We see that he reaches them. We see that, like he is. I, I, what I said in the beginning two hours ago. Um, he yeah. is, I think he is a good teacher. I really think that. And I think, um, and something, the, like the last thing on my notes here for this movie, there's something really interesting happening in his first lesson when he starts talking. And I think what, what makes it so good is that you're not sure if what he's saying is really good or not, or if he's reaching the kids or not, because some are listening, some are sleeping. And it's not like everyone, everyone raises their head and it's like, oh, wow, what is he doing? That doesn't happen. I mean, he makes them laugh and that's fine. But what does not happen during the scene, we don't see Dre until the very end of the scene. Yeah. Like the, the lesson is basically over already. He's done. And then suddenly we get a shot of her smiling and we see, oh, he definitely reached her. If not, no one else, her. And that's the first time we realize that she is important because we haven't really seen her before. And I find that a really interesting choice of the, of the directors uh, to, to not show her progressing yeah. through I don't care to, oh, this is an interesting person. We only see the end result where she's like, oh, what, what's up with this guy? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the way that they utilize her in the classroom scenes where I don't think, I think she really, uh, her only line in any of the classroom sequences is when she offers up prisons as yeah. a, a part of the machine. Outside of that, she, there, are, there are plenty of other students that talk in those yeah. scenes. Yeah but she's not an active student. She's never the focal point of the lesson. Yes, yes, of Un- course. Until the end when she leaves the class, when there's the new teacher. Yeah, and, and the day after <coughs> she, uh, she sees him in the locker room with the crack pipe and she skips the next day of school. And yeah. her absence is really the, the biggest yeah. presence, uh, ironically, the biggest presence she has mm-hmm. in the classroom sequences mm-hmm. are the scenes where she's not there. Uh, anything else about the movie itself? Anthony Mackie no. is really good here. Yeah, he uh, is really good. 
this is an early movie for him, right? Like, I, I, I haven't looked has, as much. He had done a lot already. He had done, he would do a lot afterwards. But... Oh, he had, he had done like Eight Mile, apparently. I'm just looking at yeah. his Wikipedia. He's in Eight Mile. He's yeah. in the Manchurian Candidate remake, the Jonathan Demi Manchurian. Oh, yeah, he's in Million Dollar Baby. I always forget that he's uh, one of the other boxers in Million Dollar Baby, like him and Jay Baruchel. I don't uh, know what his breakthrough was because he is in so he was I think in it's so the Hurt many Locker. movies. I think it's the Hurt Locker. Oh yeah, that's when that he, could be he, true. Yeah. He's like people really start to notice, oh wow, Anthony Mackie, like he he can really he's really got it. He's really good in the Hurt Locker. I always forget that he didn't get that nomination just because it feels it was so close to happening for him. And that movie, obviously they liked it enough to uh, I mean, it's the best picture winner, so obviously they did like it. Yeah, it's because he's really the. I mean, Renner's the focal point, but Mackie is so integral to making that movie relatable, I guess, or to make it like it, like he's your in as the audience member. I don't know, especially two thousand nine yeah, supporting I, actor is not. He's a, an interesting. He's an interesting actor that somehow doesn't have a lot of movies you remember him for well, until he gets into the Marvel. MCU. Yeah, it's all Marvel. Like, yeah. he, he got sucked up into Marvel, and then since then... But, I mean, that's been 2014, like, and he had a long career before that. Yeah. That's what I find so interesting. Yeah. Like, and and then, he's clearly good, but, I like, there's, there's not much else where you say, oh, yes, Anthony Mackie movies, it's this and this and this, and the MCU. It's just, oh, well, he's Falcon. That's it. Yes. The next Captain yeah. America, that's it. Yeah, uh, I but think... that's it. I have nothing else for the movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah, not perfect, it is. but I think it's really, really good. It's really compelling. Uh, it's really inter- It's an interesting watch. It's not anything I'm going to be revisiting anytime soon because it can get very heavy. But yeah, I'm glad. But it's I not too it. heavy. That's what I like about it. Yeah, it's never like I. The scene where he finds the dead cat is one of the, the saddest most depressing moments in the movie in a way which is yeah, yeah not, which is by the way the scene before he breaks down in class basically and spirals is after the cat dies yeah the the one thing that he had to take care of and he couldn't take care of it it's all symbolic he it's a, <laughs> you know it ties back into and then he picks up the cat later yes and that's that's why they kept that shot in i think i read was because it, yeah. it, it played well after that but um, the movie never shows too much misery i think it's not a fun yeah. movie at all. But no, it's like, it's, oh, no. It, but it's also not a completely depressing movie. I think I mean, it, it I ends think on a really joke. Interesting. It ends yeah, on it, it ends on a joke that is told wrong, which is yeah, good. which is also a very interesting choice to end on that note. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it's good. I, I would recommend. It's a good movie. Yes, yes. I'm 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 curious to see where this performance ends up ranking for us uh, at the end yes. of this. Well. Uh, do we want to do the the Oscars now or our bonus section now? Well, we can. Well, because the bonus section for today is Oscars. I mean, they're all Oscars related, but we can do that later on. Uh, but so yeah, let's move on and talk about uh, the first the first entry into the 2006 Best Actor awards. Ryan Gosling in Half Nelson. The idea that that all God's creations are perfect perfect so just to suggest that 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 a tree is it's it's crooked and it's straight it's strong and it's weak is to suggest that that, that god created something imperfect 
you're going to be hearing a lot of these uh, these places and, and groups over the next month because these four performers <coughs> got nominated pretty much across the board. But so, like I mentioned, this movie uh, premiered at Sundance, so it was in competition for the Grand Jury Prize, which it loses to Quinceañera. At SAG, Gosling is nominated uh, at the same exact Oscar 5. In fact, that year, they went 19 for 20 with the eventual Oscar nominees. With uh, Do you know who the, the one outlier was? Uh, um, no, I've written it down somewhere, but I forgot right now because there are too uh, many names. In supporting actor, they nominated DiCaprio for The Departed oh, yes. over Mark Wahlberg. Which right, right. Whenever we, talk, whenever we get to The Departed conversation in this, this miniseries, uh, I have a lot to say. I, I have I a lot to say about where, the department. But some awards nominated DiCaprio twice. Yes, year. that's up. That's actually what I have next. It's a Critics' Choice. Yeah. Critics' Choice, it's Which the Oscar really, 5. really, really interesting. That doesn't happen often, DiCaprio. right? Well, yeah, because most places you can't. Like, you can at the Globes. They'll, they'll let you do that. I don't know what the SAG rule is, I, I, but I know you can't at the Oscars. So it, most of the reason why you don't see it at other places is because you can't do it at the Oscars, so studios strategically campaign so that there's not as much competition. Like, DiCaprio is the lead of The Departed, and the I don't remember the studio that had that movie, but they they campaigned him in supporting for most of the time so that they wouldn't so contradict weird. the Blood Diamond, yeah. which you'll, you'll hear my thoughts on that in a second. Uh, yeah, Critics' Choice Gosling is nominated... Uh, also nominated for Best Young Actress for Sharika Epps, which she loses to Abigail Breslin for Little Miss Sunshine. Also nominated here, Ivana Baccaro for Pan's Labyrinth, Dakota Fanning for Charlotte's Web, and Kiki Palmer for Aquila and the Bee. Uh, at the Indie Spirits, this movie did very well. This is a big, mm-hmm. critical and indie movie hit uh, in yeah. all of those places. Uh, nominated for Best Feature, loses to Little Miss Sunshine, nominated for Best Director, loses to Little Miss Sunshine, nominated for Best for Screenplay, loses to Little Miss Sunshine, and it wins uh, Best Male Lead and Best Female Lead, uh, which... It's interesting that Sharika Epps gets Female Lead, right? I, it I think is. most it's, places would not nominate her as Lead, although co- she is in a way. A couple places did nominate her in Lead. Uh, the, I think they ended up campaigning her and supporting because... She's a young actor, and that's just the the standard, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can have this conversation. It's not really a conversation. It's just something I want to bring up. Is the the re- like you can pretty easily narrow down, like pinpoint exactly why Sharika Epps didn't get nominated, and it's not just category confusion. It's the fact that this is such a young actress slash breakthrough actress year in supporting actress because Jennifer Hudson in her debut performance as the winner. Mm-hmm. Abigail Breslin, child actress, uh, her uh, first Oscar nomination, uh, her only Oscar nomination. Rinko Kikuchi, young actress, her first and only nomination. Right. Adriana Barraza, yeah. veteran actress, but it's still her first nomination. And then Kate Blanchett, but she doesn't really factor into that. But this is so yeah, breakthrough heavy, so you know, discovery heavy, that it's just hard for Sharika Epps to be the discovery performance yeah, that's true. Hudson and Breslin and Kikuchi are not just, you know, taking up uh, the, the conversation space, but 
anytime there is one of these critics groups that does a best breakthrough performance or even specifically best female breakthrough, it's going to be one of those other three. It's going to be Breslin or Kikuchi or Hudson yeah. or some combination. And Epps gets nominations, but she's just, the focus isn't on her in that season. And ultimately she just is, is not able to get uh, much traction in the wake of those three. It's a strange supporting actress year. It is. It's a, I mean, as, as evidenced by the fact that we can do a whole miniseries on it, it's a strange year at the Oscars. Altogether. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, also with Indie Spirits, it's nominated for the Producers Award because the, whoever the producers were on this movie also did something called Point and Shoot. Uh, I don't remember who they lost to, but they did not win. The Gotham Awards, it wins Best Feature, which the lineup for Best Feature at, at the Gotham Awards this year is wild. It's this movie, Little Children, Marie Antoinette, Old Joy, and The Departed, which is <laughs> not an indie movie. I don't know how that snuck in there. Uh, that's true breakthrough actor here uh, Sharika Epps does actually win here in a tie with Rinko Kikuchi mm -hmm. uh, also nominated Abigail Breslin Channing Tatum for A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints and Melinda Page Hamilton for Sleeping Dogs Lie uh, and it wins best or it wins breakthrough director as well and this is in an era before the Gotham Awards gave out individual like uh, acting performances outside of those. So it's not mm. that Gosling got snubbed, it's that there wasn't a category for him to be nominated in. Uh, it makes the AFI top 10. I was going to make this a game, but I had another idea for a game, so I'm going to do that later. So the AFI top 10 is kind of an insane lineup. It is Babel, Borat, Dreamgirls, Half Nelson, Happy Feet, Inside Man, <laughs> Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, The Devil Wears Prada, and United 93. So that is uh, only two Best Picture nominees. And th those but, two are Babel... Oh, sorry, three. Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, and Little Miss Sunshine. Mm -hmm. So the Best Picture winner is not there. Uh, but instead, they, they put Happy Feet. That, but that's the biggest outlier, I would say, because that yeah. didn't get much award recognition. All the other movies did get something at some point this year. But even year. then, like, Inside Man didn't really get Yeah, Inside much. Man didn't get much, yeah. That's, or that's, that's a weird pick. Devil Wears Prada as a top 10. I know it was a hit, but, like, uh, that I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting list. Um, excuse me. There was something with United 93, which won some Best Picture Award somewhere, although yeah, it was not well, it's a, I New think York. New York yeah, New York Critics. Uh, speaking of New York Critics here uh, is nominated for or uh, Gosling and uh, Sharika Epps are runners-up. Uh, Epps in supporting. Uh, and it wins Best First Film. National Society of Film Critics, Gosling and Epps are runners-up. Again, Epps in supporting actress. Uh, National Board of Review Gosling wins uh, Best Breakthrough Male Performance, which That's is interesting, strange. two years after The Notebook. Uh, five years after The Believer, yes, you know, which well. was his clear breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, and it makes their top 10 independent <laughs> uh, list. I didn't write down those others, but I think like Sherry Baby was on there. Thank You for Smoking, maybe. Uh, other, other, a lot of Sundance. This is a big Sundance year because it's of Little Miss list. Sunshine. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, this, I think another reason why this movie 
isn't able to get traction in other categories is that it's so much in the shadow of Little Miss Sunshine exclusively for the fact that it's a Sundance movie and Little Miss Sunshine was the Sundance story. Like it was which is so interesting, at the right? Time, that it was the biggest it, acquisition in Sundance biggest competition history. was a movie directed by a man and a woman. Yes. Yeah, that's another <laughs> interest and that has a breakthrough performance from a young actress. Yeah. Uh, although could not be more different in terms of content. Well, and, uh, if everything we said about Half Nelson is not true for Little Miss Sunshine because it tells you exactly, it basically does exactly what they expect it to do. It has a clear finishing line. It ends up where you want it to be. Like it's a, it's a crowd pleaser, which Half Nelson is not. So yeah. it, I think it makes sense that it uh, wins a lot against Half Nelson. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Satellite Awards nominated for Best Actor and Best Picture Drama. The Black Reel Awards, Sharika Epps is nominated in Supporting Actress and Breakthrough Actress. Uh, Boston Critics, uh, Sharika Epps wins Supporting Actress. It wins Best New Filmmaker and Gosling is nominated. Chicago Film Critics, Gosling is nominated. Epps is nominated for Most Promising Performer. IndieWire Critics Poll, it's the number 10, uh, it comes in 10th uh, place for Best Film. Gosling comes in second place for Best Lead Performance. They don't do gender, they just do top 10 performances mm-hmm. in supporting, which, uh, so, so the, the top four lead performances by the IndieWire Critics Poll of this year uh, are in order. The, the best, perf- best lead performance is Helen Mirren in The Queen, Ryan Gosling in Half Nelson, Laura Dern in Inland Empire, and Sacha Baron Cohen in Borat, which that's interesting. The like you could not find a more disparate set of four performances in a in a year. That says a lot about this weird year. Yeah, and then in supporting performance, the uh, the top three are the the best supporting performance of the year by the IndieWire Critics Poll: Mark Wahlberg in The Departed, and then Sharika Epps in Half Nelson, and then Robert Downey Jr. in uh, Scanner Darkly. Oh wow. That's a really interesting uh, choice. Yes. Uh, Village Voice Film Poll, it uh, wins Best Actor, Best First Feature, and Sharika Epps is in second place in Supporting Actress. Alliance of Women Film Journalists, it's uh, nominated for Best Breakthrough by a Young Actress, uh, wins Best Screenplay Written by a Woman, and is nominated for Best Performance in Support of a Female Protagonist for Ryan Gosling, which... It feels like when you look at the other nominees, it, it this is basically their supporting performance category. So it's interesting yes. that they, they put Gosling in supporting uh, in as much as yeah. they have that. I don't know. It's because they don't have male acting prizes and it's a way to reward him. Because like Arkin, Alan Arkin got a nomination there. I think Jennifer Hudson won. But just interesting phrasing for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the. What is that, the Women Film Critics? No, the no. Alliance of Women Films. Journal. Oh, yeah, this one, yeah. yeah. Because there's also the Women Film Critics, which has a similar yeah, they, award. I I, I, it got, it, it was something like... Uh, Female rights to male roles. Yes, which... I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> I, I feel like I've talked about that. On, some, some other movie I did got that, which was weird. Uh, it's tied with... But, but, uh, Isabella Rossellini from My Dad is 100 Years Old, yes. that Guy Madden short, which is a really cool short. And she is literally playing her father and Charlie Chaplin and uh, Alfred Hitchcock and someone oh, else. It's a very interesting short. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what male role 
they're saying Sharika Epps is like, is it just the fact that she becomes a drug dealer? Is is that? I really, I really don't I understand what it's supposed to mean. Genuinely, I have no idea what the the quote unquote male role that she is uh, taking on here. It's it's an but odd. I, it feels. But, feels a little bit we'll come back to these awards when we talk about venus next time oh yes we will yes we will because venus Uh, is in their hall of shame it is um (laughs) and i think the other one the alliance of women film journalists on their hall of shame it's like eight movies and mel gibson and the write-up they wrote for mel gibson is something along the lines of everyone in the press is covering the anti-semitism but uh don't forget that in that whole tirade he also called that female cop sugar tits uh, and then it ends with something oh, yeah, like, right. is... uh, "We were we listened to the whole thing, Mel. Uh, we we aren't just focusing on the anti-Semitism. We know you're also a sexist." That's Which, pretty great. It is. It's just it's phrased very strangely, but yeah, okay. And and it's interesting to think about now when almost everything is completely forgotten about that. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the people still remember him as being an anti-Semite, but but he could come back anytime. Yeah, I mean, he already kind of has partially. Yeah, yeah, he like, has, and then he got has a, like he, best director nomination uh, in in twenty sixteen. Yeah, and he Daddy's has like a, he's too. like in this, right exactly, and then he makes some weird movies. But again, he could come back with an Oscar movie anytime. I feel. Uh, yeah, he. It's not. It's, strange. it's really yeah. Matt Gibson is a really strange case. He sure is. Uh, before we move on too far from it, because I did make uh, allusion to it, uh, I have a game for you. Uh, and it is, so this was a big Sundance movie, and this is in the year of another big Sundance movie. So I found a list of all of the Sundance movies that have won Oscars. I'm not going to quiz you on all of them because (laughs) there's a lot of shorts and foreign movies and documentaries, stuff like uh, Times of Harvey Milk and Cinema Paradiso and Full Monty, Hustle and Flow, Man on Wire, Get Out, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, but so there have been 12 movies that uh, I don't know if they were, they were all premieres, but they all played at the Sundance Film Festival that have won Oscars for acting. Uh, so I uh, have pulled for you a, a game that you gave partially to me in the, in the bonus episode. I've adapted it slightly. Uh, this is a game that I am calling Mr. Cat Poop, which is the... <laughs> the translation for the Hong Kong title <laughs> of As Good As It Gets, which is something that, uh, like that, whenever that conversation comes up, that's always the one that my mom brings up is, hey, did you know that As Good As It Gets is called Mr. Cat Poop in Hong Kong? Uh, so this game, which I'm calling Mr. Cat Poop, I have pulled uh, three different alternate or translated titles for the 12 movies that uh, won acting Oscars that played at Sundance with the caveat that I could not find a single passable uh, translatable title for Hannah and her sisters that didn't just translate to Hannah and her sisters. That's often the case. Yes. A a lot of these I had to uh, sort of mess around with. So I'll give you the three titles one at a time. And then if that's not enough, I will tell you the category or categories that it won for. And then if that's not enough, I'll tell you if it won any other categories and which ones those were. And, and if the that's year? not enough, then I'll tell you the year last. Then the year. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, most, of these, most of these should be pretty easy. Uh, and there's well, only... that's what I said last time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm also, I'm doing this in chronological order. Okay. Uh, okay. For, Fair so, enough. So uh, I don't know what year it's the Sundance 
started, I think, like in the early eighties. So that's yeah, it started in the eighties. Yeah, so that is in the nineties. Where okay, you're going yeah. off from? So your first title for the the first movie to play at Sundance that won an Oscar for acting from Argentina. The translated title is Journey to Lost Happiness. Oh, this is one of these titles that could refer to so many things. That could be the title to to have Nelson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Easily. Journey to Lost Happiness. From France, your title is Memoirs of Texas. Memoirs of Texas? Is that Paris, Texas? It is not. That's not. But oh, it didn't Oscar. win anything, no. right? No, no, it didn't. Uh, also from Argentina, from the TV title, as, as it played on TV, What Time Never Forgets. This is a very tough one, so uh, you're not going to get it from those. Again, most of the titles for this had a, 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 word, uh, a, a word in common with the actual English title of it that made it hard to, to, pick, to pick out. Uh, so this is uh, a Best Actress winner. Uh, no. Oh, I really have to rack my brain for this one. Okay, now we're getting into a three-hour episode. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll speed us along. Uh, it did not win any other Oscars. It is from the eighties. If that narrows. Yeah, it. that's. I, it is I, from nineteen eighty-five. I'm caught up on memoirs, um, mem memories of Texas. It, it was either memoirs or memories. Google Translate may have uh, yeah. some of these wrong. But because I feel this must be the biggest clue when it refers to Texas. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I can't say. Uh, I can tell I, you. That I'm really. The, I can tell you I'm the really person not caught up on the Oscar winners of the '80s. Yeah, tell me the person the, who won. The winner is Geraldine Page. Oh, oh, that's a movie I've never seen. This is one of those movies that is easy to forget that it won an Oscar, yeah. even for acting. I have like a title in the back of my head that I will never get out. It is The Trip to Bountiful. Yeah. yeah All of the titles Bountiful. had Bountiful in them, so I had to... Uh, Bountiful. Okay, so, okay and I then, know nothing about this movie, so that, that I would have never come okay. up with that one. Most of these are easier than that one. That one just okay. suffers from the fact that it was first. The next one was Hannah and her sisters. Like I said, I couldn't find a single one that didn't have Hannah or and or her sisters in the title. So, just and I'm not wrong that it. the trip to Bountiful is not a well-remembered movie, right? I uh, outside of that win, no. Um, your next one from Bulgaria. the The title is Lunatics. Lunatics. That's an interesting title. And I guess we're still in the eighties. Uh, I don't know. You don't get the year yet. I don't know. Lunatics. Uh, the, the American working title for this movie was The Bride and the Wolf. Bride and the Wolf. It's also a very interesting title. It doesn't really... No. Lunatics, The Bride and the Wolf. From Czechoslovakia, the title is Under the Influence of the Full Moon. And it's an Oscar winner, right? For acting. For acting. Oh, that seems like something I should know. You should, yeah. There's a, there's a, a, a hint or two in there. 
under the influence of the full moon. It's so hard for me without the year. Oh, dear. The Um, categories it won in are Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, So uh, when you're under the influence of something, uh, what might be another way to describe that? Uh, is it is it moonstruck? Moonstruck, yes, yes, moonstruck. Lunatics, you know, moon. moon yeah, yeah, it moon all makes sense. Oh, well, yes. the wolf, not completely, but yeah, yeah I get it. But, uh, uh, yeah, under the influence of the full moon, moon is in there. Okay, uh, your next movie chronologically uh, from Hungary. The title is Common Criminals. Yeah, that could be a lot. I mean, think, think <laughs> com- common criminals. I mean, it's crimes and misdemeanors, mm, but no. that, that, that didn't mm, win anything, right? Did not. From the Ukraine, your title is Suspicious Persons. <laughs> That's very similar. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're similar for a reason. Okay. No, I need more. From Vietnam, Invisible Suspect. Is it the usual suspects? The usual suspects. Okay. Yes. Oscar winner for Kevin Spacey. Okay, moving on. Okay, the next so we're one. We're ninety-five already. Yeah, big okay. big gap for a, a Sundance movie. Sundance that, Oscar winners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one from Germany, The Hunted. I wrote down a bunch for this one because a lot of them are very nondescript titles, so I can just breeze through these and give them to you all at once. From Argentina. Wait, oh. So that's strange. Okay, but if it's the, the hunted, because then I should know the German title that confuses. Me. Okay, okay. It could be it could be a Google Translate mishap. Yeah, but with a title like the hunted, yeah. there are not many possibilities. Yeah. From Argentina, Days of Fury. From Japan, White Engraving. From Sweden, Bad Blood. From Russia, Sorrow. There's a bunch like that, a bunch of sort of nondescript uh but I just I thought those were interesting because the the actual title for the movie is also a, li- a little bit nondescript. Uh, this is an Oscar winner in Best Supporting Actor. Oh, these names are so, as you said, they are. Um, I can I can tell you the the one that. I think makes the most sense to the movie is uh, Bad Blood. And maybe The Hunted. Like, that kind of... Well, I mean, that does sort of tie into the inciting incident of the movie, I guess you could say. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Lead Actor, but it did not win. No other nominations for the movie. Ah, uh, I'm not as good as, at this as I thought. No, I didn't know if I thought that I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> the year is 1998. Is the movie from 1998 or did it win in 1998? It wa- uh, it's from 1998. I think it may have played a festival in 97, but it's the, 1990- the films of 1998 were largely voted on in that year. Mm. Do you want the person who won? 
or are you still still trying at it? The German title really bugs me now because that should help me. I should know which movie this is this because is a, I should it, know the title. This is not a... This is, I guess, of the movies that have won for acting in the past like 25, 26 years, it is one of the more obscure ones. And it must be a title that would be hard to translate. It's a one-word title. It wouldn't have that many different titles. If it's, it a one, to say, it's a one-word title, and it's a sort of not like it, it. It's also kind of a nondescript title. Who won in 1999? I can tell you the the person if you want to know. Okay, James Coburn. Oh, um, it's um, what is it called? It's not the one. It's the other one. Um, Affliction. Affliction. Yes. It's Affliction. Affliction. Yeah. Sundance. Really hard to translate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, interesting. Right. There were so many. Uh, this next one, again, almost all of the titles had uh, were, were just the same or variations on the same phrase. But the working title, uh, the the USA working title, was "Take It Like a Man." <laughs> Take it like a man. Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The next one. Uh, there. Are, so how many more are there? One, two, three, four. There's only six more, and these ones are. Pretty pretty easy. So this next one, the Portuguese title is A Family on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. A play on the, the Almodovar film, obviously. Mm, obviously, yeah, yeah. Okay, A Family on the Verge. Yeah, well, that's... Okay, it's about a family. Yes. <laughs> Do you have another one? Yes, from Romania. Everyone thinks they are normal. The kids are all right? No, no. Although that yeah, it, it does make late, sense, right? That yeah. makes sense. That's what I thought of. That would be an interesting variation of that title. Yeah, I don't. That that didn't win though. Also didn't win. You see, that's a bit of my problem. I don't have my winners straight enough to say, oh, the winners are this and this and this. I mean, that makes the game more Oscar fun. I think it makes it more buff fun. to yeah. to have all those. This one's probably gonna give it away. Those were the two interesting ones, but uh, from Slovenia. Our Little Miss. Oh, it's Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Oscar winner for Ellen Arkin. A Family on the Verge. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Family on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. That's, that's yeah. the, whole, the whole premise. Okay. From Greece. Unique. <laughs> well, okay. From Turkey. A Painful Life Story. That's a wild one. What a title. Yeah. A painful life story. Hey, should we watch a painful life story today? Yeah. Uh, from well, it sounds better in Turkish. Yeah. From Poland, Hey Honey. Hey Honey, a painful life story. Unique. <laughs> How unique. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. Okay, this is a winner for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, that, I, I, I noticed that doesn't help me. Yeah. It's also a winner for Best Adapted Screenplay, nominee for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress. I think that's it. You said Picture, too. Yes, the Best Picture nominee. So it's a, a, big, a, a big Oscar movie this year. Yes. Unique, a painful, but I don't know, we're after 2006. Ah... Oh. So 
what, what's a, a synonym for something like unique? Well, special. Yeah, that's closer. That's getting closer. Uh, a synonym for unique, unique special. That's not single. Special is closer to this title than uh, than unique is. Uh, I think I'm better at making games than than participating. Oh, so am I. So am I. I, I, I as as evidenced by the one you gave me. I, no, you did well. It okay. was fifty movies after. You're all. doing well with this one too. Like this, this is going kind of exactly how I was hoping it would. Okay, then. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you want the winner? Yeah, I the guess. Win- the winner for Unique is Monique. Oh, that's, uh, but what is it? Precious? Yes, Precious. Uh, precious. A winner for Monique. Okay, that's definitely a painful life story, yeah. It sure is. Uh, okay, <laughs> your next film. From Japan, Six Until I Grow Up Again. Six Until well, I Grow like Up Again? Six Dash Until I Grow Up Again. Oh. Sounds like a Peter Pan movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's older than six. Yeah. Six until I grow up again with a title. Okay. Uh, the working title, or one of the, the US working titles, is Growing Up. Okay. Uh, the Brazilian title is the, the title of the movie colon from childhood to youth yeah it's all the same meaning yeah all it's very similar probably about growing up yeah it's also kind of what the title of of like the actual english title is too actually this was a movie that was like up. a huge sensation in the year that that it came out and then like in the years since then has kind of been forgotten like people don't really talk about this movie a lot, which I is guess. remembering that Boyhood. Boyhood, yes, of course, right, Patricia. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Actually, Boyhood has been strangely forgotten. Yeah, nobody talks about Boyhood like at all, which is I mean, weird. you wouldn't say at all, but yeah, it is compared to what it was when it came out. You are yeah. right. That is true, and, com- and for that achievement that it was, yeah, and like people still talk about like. Birdman and Grand Budapest Hotel and Whiplash and even like Nightcrawler yeah. and Gone like, but Boyhood has just totally been forgotten, for whatever. But of reason. course, if you mention all those titles, maybe it just was a strong competition. Yeah. But yeah, you could wonder why these titles were more are more kept in memory than Boyhood. Yeah, it's interesting. You're right, and okay. it's a great movie. Yeah. Okay, three more, from Azerbaijan, in the search for excellence. <laughs> okay. Very generic. Yes. Uh, from Greece, without measure. Those titles could mean anything. Oh, when you know what movie this is. Yeah, they of make course, mo- but if there, you don't. There's like some double meanings in there. There's, there's, some, no. there, there's some clever stuff. Uh, from Serbia, The Rhythm of Madness. What was the first one again? Uh, in the Search for Excellence. Uh, Whiplash. Whiplash, yes. Yeah. Oscar winner for J.K. Simmons. 
Okay, two more. From Hungary, the old city. The old city. The old city. Well, there could be so much. The old city. Hmm. Okay, do you have more? From Turkey, on the edge of life. Okay, that, that doesn't help. And from Romania, the original title of the movie, colon, The Guardian, The Responsible Uncle. The Guardian, The Responsible Uncle? Um, no. This was, I think, like, aside from Little Miss Sunshine, this is maybe the movie that people point to in terms of massive Sundance success leading to Oscar success. It was a big acquisition out of, out of the festival. Best actor winner. Best actor. I can't think of anything. Um, uh, those are really difficult clues if you don't know what it is. And if you are as bad as, as uh, remembering Oscar winners as I am. What, what's perhaps a movie about uh, an uncle's relationship to his nephew? recently yeah, a sort of a strange relationship it, uh wh why might an uncle become a guardian of their of their nephew well if the parents die or something but yeah so this is a movie about, on the edge of life and yeah and it's in the old city which i'll give you another the hint city. Uh, the title of the movie is a city it's the name of a city There aren't that many city name movies that it's, win Oscars. It's a, it's it's odd in the sense that it is a city that has a multi-word title or multi-word name. It, I in should the sense know this. You, yeah. What best actor he said? Best actor, also nominated for director, uh, picture, supporting actor, supporting actress, original screenplay winner. Oh, it just bumps me out so much because I know it. It's. Clearly, if anyone is still listening after all this time, they clearly uh, know it already. It, it might help you if I say that the big acquisition out of Sundance, this movie was bought by Amazon. If I'm not mistaken, it's uh, the first streaming movie to be nominated for Best Picture. The, the Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Colon, the guardian, the responsible uncle. That's what helped me is yeah, the Amazon, Amazon acquisition. Yeah. Okay. One more. One more Sundance movie that won an Oscar. Oh, dear, dear. Uh, uh, this one, uh, this was also uh, another big story in terms of Sundance to Oscar success. Uh, first title from Brazil, In the Rhythm of the Heart. Coda? Coda. <laughs> yeah. From Finland, yeah. you had a Coda, colon, Between Two Worlds, and Mexico's col Coda, colon, Signs of the Heart. Uh, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of those titles, again, were just Coda. So I really had to pick and choose for a lot of these. But yeah, that was, that was, that was fun. Good job on those.
Not really, but yeah, it was fun. No, you, you did a good job. You you did a good job. It was it was a fun fun way to to highlight some uh, Sundance stuff. I don't know. I, I'm not as well versed on the history of Sundance as a festival. So looking through that list and picking out some of the titles that I didn't know even played at Sundance, it was it was a, an interesting little dive into that. And I don't know if I have all that many movies on my list on my show that are that played at Sundance so probably not right if there are yeah. not that many yeah it's true I mean those are th- those ones that I said are the winners so there have been plenty of others that are yeah, yeah of course of but, course uh yeah I I I don't have a a good way to segue into well okay this is usually the point of the episode where we would talk about some of the other nominees in this category but we're going to be doing that for the rest of the month so uh, we don't have to and also can't because I haven't seen any of the others yet. Although I have seen one and that is how I am choosing to transition into our bonus little fourth section here uh, where this week's bonus section for our miniseries is we will be talking about the one other best actor nominee this year that isn't a lone nominee. TIA, right, mid? TIA. What's TIA? This is Africa, huh? You want another? Sure. So, which one are you? Smuggler? (laughs) Am I? Somehow you don't strike me as the UNICEF type. How about soldier of fortune? (laughs) Or is that too much of a cliche? Diamonds? I told you I was a missionary. For Vandercap? Better watch that type of talk, Miss Bowen. You know, in America it's bling bling, but out here it's bling bang, huh? I wouldn't want you getting in any trouble. With five nominations for Best Film Editing, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, Best Supporting Actor for Jimin Hansu, and Best Actor for Leonardo DiCaprio, it is Edward Zwick's blood diamond so uh let, let's let's spend some we're we're already past the two hour mark but whatever how do you feel about, easy, how do you feel i could easily talk happiness? about blood diamond for two more hours if you wanted to i don't even have to look up at notes or anything i've studied this movie uh, in great detail in the past i talk about it in school sometimes whenever i teach my students about africa because it's uh the uh epitome of problematic depictions of Africa. It sure is. Oh boy, it, it sure is. spells it out, like, for a movie to have a white character explain in front of a black character what Africa is, that, that's, that is all you, you need. Like, the, T, the TIA, This is Africa, which the movie sells as if that is something that Africans tell each other all the time, what Africa is, which is everyone is corrupt, everyone is bad, nothing works, everyone hates this continent, it's terrible. This is Africa. This is the main message of the movie, basically, which is my main biggest issue with the movie. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> and, it's not a good movie. It, uh, it really sells Jimon Hounsou's character. Uh, uh, it just really does not do right by him and spends way too much time on the romance between the two white people that yes. goes nowhere. Like, like I, 
I don't often do reviews on Letterboxd, and this isn't even really a review. It's just a thing I put up uh, after I watched it, after I finished watching it, I guess this morning. Oh, man, it's been a long day. Uh, but at the end of the movie, uh, after oh, yes. DiCaprio has died and he gets this whole big send-off speech over the phone to Jennifer Connelly, uh, and they've done the whole deal where Hansu gets his family back and they sell the diamond and there's the whole corruption is exposed and everything and there's this press conference that this just sort of like nobody senator character or ambassador or something uh is like oh for so long we in the western world have ignored the voice of africa but uh we are not going to ignore it any longer we are going to hear the words from this man solomon vandy and he brings uh, jimon hansu onto the stage and all the white people in the audience clap and the movie fades to black before he can say a single fucking word. They set up so clearly, we are going, for once, we are not going to silence the, the cries for help and justice from the exploited African people. And they bring him up onto the stage and applaud yep. him. And yep. then the movie cuts yep. off <laughs> before he can say anything. So that it, it can add some insane, title cards. It's an insane to, decision to to set really, yourself up for failure like that. To set this is the scene I show it, my students to to show how wrong a movie can go with the best of intentions. I I I would say that the movie really has really really good intentions. Oh, it thinks it's doing so much good by the world. It is very self But of course, why should they let the black characters speak even though they set it up and like this whole scene is unbelievable. It's really it's... unbelievable. Like he gets applause for nothing and then we don't get to hear. And the movie, but why would they do that if the movie is doing that already for two and a half hours, right? Yeah. We never get to hear the voice of the African. Yes. Except yeah. for Leonardo DiCaprio, of course, who is African. We shouldn't forget that. Yes, he's he's uh but you know, he's he's <laughs> he's the kind of African who uses the old the old like westernized names of his country. So he doesn't use the politically correct Zimbabwe. He's yeah. from yeah. I don't remember the, the name of the country. Or Rhodesia. The, yeah, he's from Rhodesia. He's from Rhodesia. He's not, yeah. Yes. He's he's real uh soil of the earth, uh as it were. Uh, like if you if you compare the two characters, you have Jimin Hunsu as um, what's his name again? You said Solomon Solomon Solomon, like his and and Leonardo DiCaprio's art. Leonardo DiCaprio is a corrupt uh, diamond dealer who is bad, who has seen everything, and so on. And during the course of the movie, he learns how to be a good person, and uh, he sacrifices himself. So he we get a good feeling. And Jimin Hunsu is the one who has a good life that is ruined. And then we watch him have a miserable life for two and a half hours. And then and at then the very end, he gets speak. his family back. And uh, even in the scene where he gets his family back, that's also, also a silent odd. scene. He doesn't speak. Yeah. In it. They don't, they don't speak. In it. Like, and before that, we get that strange airport scene, like the secret mission at the airport. And it's yeah. so weird. This, oh, like, Especially because it's Michael Sheen. Who, who, like, it's, yeah. it's weird seeing Michael Sheen in that little role. Uh, yeah, before it, he really this whole film, yeah. but again, and the other scene is the, the this is Africa scene, which DiCaprio when he gives this monologue about what Africa is really like and so on at the bar, uh, and and kind of uses it to hit on Jennifer Connelly, and it's yeah. also weird. And then he again he explains what Africa is in his opinion, again corrupt, 
uh, broken, uh, and so on. They never talk about colonization or anything, right? Of no, course. no colonialism as the movie, at all. As the movie, and again, if you look at the beginning of the movie where we see how terrible it is, when we see how this uh, family life is destroyed, what do we see? We see black people killing black people. Yeah, the, the villains in this movie are other African people and one singular corrupt Western business. And those are the only people that the blame is put on. Uh, and there's another scene at the beginning of the movie where we have the same senator that you mentioned that uh, introduces Solomon to not speak. Um, we see him in the beginning where they have like a government meeting and they talk about, oh yeah, we have these blood diamonds and we really have to do something. And he talks to other politicians and all of the politicians are white and he sees some black politicians somewhere in the background. Yeah. And this is, the movie is really consistent in sidelining black characters or only using them to show misery yeah, or a terror or or uh, despicable acts of violence and so on and so on. That's what the black characters are for. The yeah. white characters are there to explain to the audience what's going on, what we should do. And I mean, the message of the movie in the end is, okay, you've seen how terrible it is in Africa. What you can do now is the next time you buy diamonds, make sure they are clean. Ethically sourced okay. diamonds. <laughs> That's the message that the title cards explain to you instead of having Solomon speak. It's, it's Please a... watch which diamonds you buy. That, that, and that infuriates me even more because yeah. it's so absurd. Like, as if, that would be, as if people who actually buy diamonds watch this movie and go, oh, I haven't checked that. Maybe I should do that next time I buy diamonds. Yeah. Like, this is just... what the focus of this movie about Africa is. The ultimate movie about Africa. Blood Diamond is a bad movie. It's a really bad movie. Um, I would I would go to its defense. I would say it is apart from everything we said. Like technically, it's very well made. This I I like, uh, not like, but I understand this specifically the two sound nominations just because it sounds good. I don't like the editing in this movie. I think it's way too yeah, okay choppy and like th there's a scene where I don't remember like the. Vandy, so Solomon Jim Hunts' character is attacking this guy with a shovel. And it takes like, I'm not kidding, like 10 shots for him to hit this guy over the head with a shovel twice. It, it, okay. There's like 10 cuts. It is way too over-edited in its action sequences. And all of the dramatic stuff drags on for too long. It's, there, it does not have a consistent pace. And any, all of the pacing that it does have is too too far in the wrong direction like it, it is never i don't know it's just not an it for a, for a movie that's two and a half hours long it yeah feels it's too long so much, to yeah, yeah. again i think it's not that badly made but again as we uh, i think explained well enough now it like what it's supposed to do is to to give you some kind of, of lesson on what's wrong in africa and what could be done it does everything wrong really absolutely yes. everything and <laughs> One reason, as we say, and that's what we should talk about a little bit. Yes, I was just going to say. Its focus is on Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And his performance. And Which I mean, is... it makes sense. We know why he did this movie, because he, he is interested in, in like social issues, you know. Well, we, we know, know why he, he really was... did this movie. For the he accent. Wants an Oscar. Yes, it's a movie yeah, well... where he gets, to do a, he gets to do a bold accent that gets people's attention. And, and it's really bold. Yes. I, so... There's a, a, a YouTube series, or it's like a, a sort of offshoot thing. Uh, I think it was with Wired, where an accent coach, uh, you know, reviews yeah. different 
movie and TV accents from different actors. Uh, and that, like, I, I don't know if it was the first real version of this, but it's sort of like spurned on the craze of so-and-so industry professional reacts to yeah, yeah. in movies and TV. And there's some really interesting ones. I like the like the corridor crew when they do their VFX yeah, uh, I really react. Like I, I I love watching those because you get some really interesting insights and it, it has given me a whole new outlook on the visual effects medium. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they've just done some really interesting stuff there. But the accent coach one, uh, those ones are really fascinating. And I don't remember which one of them it is, but there is one where he talks about this accent that DiCaprio is doing and how even though like it sounds very strange coming out of DiCaprio because we know that's not his real accent and it sounds so like cobbled together at some points like it dips in and out it's apparently a relatively accurate accent I believe that I really believe that like he he, obviously DiCaprio trained a lot to nail this accent he did a lot of work to make sure he was doing it right and regardless of that, it was still a very polarizing thing in 2006. There were definitely a lot of people that were like, this is a weird thing for DiCaprio to be doing. It sounds like he's, like, it does sometimes kind of sound like it's an, like it's too over the top, like it's a, a bit of a parody, uh, yeah. whatever. All that being said, yes, it's a very technically proficient accent. I just don't think it works as a performance. I, I don't. I don't believe him in this role. I, I think I think it's not his fault. I, I think it's it's like one, one of the many things that the movie decides to have this character. And of course, DiCaprio says, if I play a character from Rogija, I have to play this accent well. And as he said, I think he does the accent well, but it doesn't work for the movie. Like you can't follow him. You can't identify with him. And the accent doesn't help. And the character doesn't help. I, but I think the main problem is the writing and the focus Yes. And that makes it if all you... so weird already. And the accent then on top is like, okay, who is this guy? Why should we listen to this strange guy talking this strange accent? And, and so on and so on. I'm not this sure movie, if it's really a bad performance. This movie would be so much better if you just switch the focus and instantly that yeah. solves so many problems. If you center the story on Solomon Vandy, because the, the, the story, the journey is his. He's the one who's been separated from his family. He's the one who found this diamond, this titular blood diamond, and hid it and is going back to retrieve it. All of the, the action of the story hinges on Solomon. Everything's about him. If but the movie he's is a passive. Yes, if the movie follows him as an active yeah. character and you have this quirky, uh, talkative uh, diamond uh, trader who is a bit of a, or not even a bit of, just a a total asshole at the beginning that uh, helps him with his contacts and helps him with his connections to get there. And at the end of the movie, uh, sacrifices himself to redeem himself. If that is a supporting character, that works so much better. Because you you don't need to have the, such such a textured, layered background for this character who is almost completely static until the very end, until he is dying and calls Jennifer again. Connelly yeah. Out, that's hey, the goal hey, go, of go, the go, movie. Yeah. If, but just, if you switch it, if you switch that focus 
that solves a lot of, of the movie's problems. And it's just insane. But everything, that, everything in the movie shows us that this was never the intention because I, the intention is not for even us just, to identify with the white character and to say if anything should change in Africa, then the bad people, the bad white people who do bad things have to change and be better. And that's what you should do when you buy diamonds. And if you focus on a black character, that doesn't happen. I like mean, the movie doesn't yeah. care about the black characters. It that just is, does not care about them. You say that like it is evident throughout the movie. It's not just evident throughout this movie. Edmund's Wick, or yeah. Edmund's Wick, oh, that's yes. his whole thing. He directed Glory, yeah. the the movie about the the black Civil War soldiers that stars Matthew Broderick. He directed The Last Samurai, the movie about yeah. samurai that of stars course, Tom Cruise. This is Wick his is whole thing. This. Yeah, he is like, and he's always he's criticized ultimate, for it. Yeah, he's the but ultimate course, uh, uh, white savior director. He also did he love another drugs, weirdly, which is yeah, that's true. That's it's, uh, well, he did a lot of different things, but we know him best for these historical movies. Very strong career. Yeah, I mean, even even Legends of the Fall featured some Native American legends and so on and so on. But of course, it's they're not Brad the focus Pitt. of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, what he can always tell himself and us is that he says, well, at least I bring these stories about those minorities on the screen and I make them successful and I have the best intentions. And he probably does, right? He also did the siege, right? About, uh, you know, it's, it's always the same. It's always yeah. the same. And the minorities are always there, but they're never on, in focus. He never cares about them. Yeah. He only cares it's about a... the white saviors. Always, always, always. But he feels, I'm absolutely sure he's convinced that he's doing the best political movies you could do. Yeah, that, that seems to be his general vibe, I guess. Um, but yeah, just taking it back to DiCaprio and this nomination that he got, the other nomination in this year, along with the four that we'll be talking about. I just, I, I don't, I don't like this nomination. Uh, no, I, it's me neither. A, it's not a good performance uh, in As much general. as I defend it, but it shouldn't be nominated for an Oscar. Especially uh, not compared to The Departed. Yes, which we'll talk about that a bit more in our yeah. bonus section next week when we talk about uh, the other, or, or just not the other, but all of the Best Picture nominees yeah. and whether or not any of them could have been a contender instead. Uh, because it's very rare that you get a, any, not just in leading actor but in any acting category where none of the five nominees come from a best picture nominee yeah uh, or yeah it happened this past year with best actress where eyes of tammy faye lost yeah. daughter being the ricardos spencer and parallel mothers before that i i i think that's the only time it's happened in the expand the the era of the expanded lineup of best picture uh prior to that it may have been this year that we're talking about, this 2006. There, there might be one in the, the two following years, but I, I do not know off the top of my head. I don't think there is, though. Um, so, yeah, this is a... But a, I think it's, it's very easy to say that, obviously, DiCaprio's performance in The Departed is much, much better than in Blood Diamond. Yes, That's what and makes I, don't it even so love the, I don't even love The Departed. I, I kind of I, have I know, issues I know. with that movie. Um, I'm going to rewatch it. Maybe my opinions will change by the time we record the next one, which is tomorrow. So I got to cram <laughs> in uh, like four movies plus Venus. So five movies. I don't know why I said it like that. I have to watch five movies by tomorrow. So that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, maybe my, I, I, I 
hesitate to give any definitive thoughts on The Departed and DiCaprio's performance until I've given it a proper rewatch. But yeah, it's bizarre that he was not able to get nominated for that one over Blood Diamond. I think ultimately what it boils down to is he's the clear lead of Blood Diamond. And so that's a much easier <laughs> campaign. When you have two in a year, your studio is going to be like, okay, one of these is technically lead, one of them's supporting. We're going to try and get you both because we don't want competition. And but it's I, easier I mean, to I say... It's easier to, to say, say The but, Departed is an ensemble than of, Blood Diamond. Of course, of course. But even even with the way Blood Diamond deals with its characters, it's it's, it's still hard to argue that he's the clear lead actor because Jimin Hinsu still has a lot of screen time and is yeah. clearly the actual protagonist of the film. I looked right? it up on Screen Time Central. Uh, DiCaprio has like an hour 35 of screen time. And Hansu was like, it's like an hour and eight. It's still over an hour of yeah. screen time for a supporting performance which th th like all of the times that people point to of like oh this is a supporting performance but maybe yeah. th that won but like maybe they're a lead those are like Christoph Waltz and Django Unchained Timothy Hutton and Ordinary People oh no that's a shorter movie no but I think he might still be on there uh, Tatum O'Neill and Paper Moon Patty Duke and The Miracle Worker these are all uh, Mahershala Ali and Green Book all of these are supporting winners that have over an hour of screen time and so Hansu, like by that metric, is a co-lead. He is a co-lead of the movie, putting him in yes, definitely, Rockland. definitely. But if you have to pick one of them and say one of these is the lead, and one of them is supporting, it's clear. It's pretty easy to to pick out DiCaprio as the one that is the lead. He's the one that has the character arc. He's the one that changes. Even though all again, all of the action is in reference to. The yeah. life of Solomon Dan. It's, it's just it's just a, one of the weirdest acting nominations ever, I think. Yeah. And then Again. it's got more nominations even on top. Yes. Five nominations. Five nominations for Blood Diamond, a bad movie. Yeah. And one it's, nomination it's... for Half Nelson, a good movie. Yeah. How, how come, Chief Willoughby? Or whatever? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh I guess yeah. that's all we need to say about Blood Diamond. Yeah, the less said the better. We we did talk about that for like 20 minutes. Um, I Hey, we're not going to be a three-hour episode because that would take another 40 minutes and I don't think we have another 40 minutes going for no, us. So, no, uh, I don't have that much to say anymore. Good for us for that. Uh, I can't guarantee that that will be true for the entirety of this month. Uh, although I know I, for one, probably won't be making any more games. So that'll help shave down the runtime and none of my games are that long okay good like last uh, time so i think they will all be relatively quick cool i don't know why we're apologizing for future episodes we haven't recorded yet but <laughs> such is the way of life uh any because final especially thoughts? for anyone who's still listening they clearly enjoy it so yeah. we don't have to apologize to, to everyone who's still listening for sure thank you thank you so much for being here <laughs> for listening all this way through uh, we don't really have to dwell all that much on the actual Oscars because those are things that we'll be talking about. Yeah. Over the course of the month, uh, we can talk briefly about supporting actress. Uh, so for this year in general, obviously I'm talking about these four movies and then Volver in lead actress I will be doing eventually. But neither of these supporting categories have any lone nominees. So we just sort of have to talk about them tangentially throughout this month. Uh, but Supporting Actress, where Sharika Epps probably would have been nominated. Like I mentioned, 
I have not seen all of these movies. I will eventually be doing so over the rest of the month. I'll, I have not seen Babel or Dreamgirls yet, but I'm doing that soon. Uh, but uh, yeah, Epps probably would have been put in supporting, but like yeah. I said, with Jennifer Hudson, with Abigail Breslin, with Rinko Kikuchi, all as more or less locks for... I know uh, Breslin wasn't as much of a sure thing going into nominations warning, but like Hudson was a clear front runner. Kikuchi probably running second place throughout the season. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there was much of a chance for Sharika Epps to get in, unfortunately, no, because it's a great probably performance. Not. Wasn't Bryson also a front runner? I would have thought that I, at least. I I don't think she was. I think there was <laughs> there was a lot of from what I've heard at least. Again, I was six years old this year, so I wasn't paying attention to the Oscars. Uh, but I think a lot of the this was sort of like backlash towards uh, child actors getting nominated for Oscars just for being precocious and uh, I don't know. I mean, even though Little Miss Sunshine is still a big hit. SAG Ensemble winner, screenplay winner, surprise win for Alan Arkin over the uh, heavy front runner Eddie Murphy. Like, there's still there's clear support for that movie. So I could see it being a case where uh, Breslin got more votes than expected uh, because obviously Arkin did as well. But I don't think at any point she was ever viewed as a, a legitimate okay. threat to win. I mean, I, I don't know. Again, if you haven't seen everything, but I would say... <clears throat> I mean, I honestly, you're right. Jennifer Hudson was the clear front runner. I, I think it was expected that she would win. Uh, of those five, I would say Kate Blanchett is the best. Yes. <laughs> because I think Notes, Notes on the Scandal is one of her sense. best performances ever. It really, yeah. She's great in that. I, she's just hurt by the fact that she had just won two years prior for yeah. The Aviator. And that was also in supporting. And I, I think there was, yeah. there was a, uh, a hesitation a, to say, yeah. to, to be like, let's give Kate Blanchett a second one so soon and another supporting win. Like, she's not the kind of person... She's not a Diane Wiest or Walter Brennan or uh, these other people that have... Or, like, even Christoph Waltz later that win multiple Oscars in supporting. Like, Kate Blanchett is a... Definitely. She's not going to win her second for supporting. Kind of like how... uh, I mean, it's not the case for the big short because Christian Bale isn't good in the big short and was never a threat to win. But if and when Christian Bale wins his second Oscar, which seems like it's an, an, a very strong possibility, it's going to be for lead. There's no way Christian Bale wins his second in supporting. So you mean you won't be nominated for Thor? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know who... No, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Just joking. No, that, that, um, was, that was good. You, you had me there for a second. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that Notes on the Scandal got that many nominations at all because I think it's also a movie that is not as well known as it should be because I think oh, yeah. it's, it's really, really good. That but movie. it got a lot of nominations, which is really great, actually, for, really for this is. kind of movie. Actually. Yeah. And I mean, you haven't seen Babel, you said. And that's... No, but I will. I will by tomorrow. So I got, I got that to look forward Maybe to. Maybe I should rewatch that because I don't remember. I've seen that in cinema in... Probably, yeah, 2006. I don't remember much of it. I think it's one of the more forgotten in Arito movies, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems to be. But I will, I will be... Sit- How long is Babel? It's like, what? It's long, right? It's yeah. a long movie. It is 143. It is 
uh, to the minute exactly as long as Blood Diamond. Wow. It's better than Blood Diamond. I can promise you that. Okay. I liked it back then, but I haven't seen it since, so I don't remember. Okay. But I'm almost surprised that it got so many nominations. Yeah. Well, this is the year, this is the year of the Three Amigos. This is the year that uh, you have Babel and Pan's Labyrinth and uh, Children of Men all sort of ushering oh, in Inyaritu and Del Toro and uh, Quaron all into the the forefront of, you know, Amer- those, those, these are the big American crossover movies, more or less. Like, they, they've had successes at this point, but these are, these are big ones for them all, all in the same year. And arguably, arguably, especially from a retrospect, uh, how we view these movies nowadays, I think uh, Children of Man should have gotten more. God, yeah, absolutely. It, it's not just the screenplay nomination, is it? Did no, it get also something else? Editing. Okay. Cinematography. Okay. Is, I mean, it yeah, did ju- get some, but it's like really minor compared okay. to some of the other movies. And since this is seen as one of the best movies of all time by now, yeah, including like, me, it's one of my top 10 favorite movies probably. It's, a, it's one of the best of this year. And the fact that it, it gets the three nominations it does get because it was a big financial failure, right? Wasn't I don't it like know a, if it was a big failure, but it was not as successful as it, it it could have been. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, should have been a bigger player this year. We can talk about that later on in some other yeah. episodes when we have some other conversations. But yeah, no, Children of Men rocks. Uh, anything else we want to say though about, in particular, Half Nelson at this year's Academy Awards? You mean we could talk about what other awards it could have gotten? Yes. That would yeah, be our I mean, final segment, right? Yes. I, I just mean like anything before we move on to the final segment. No, I think we said everything already, right? And I mean, yes, Sherry Caps, as you said, has the best, had the best chance and maybe screenplay too. Yeah. But so in your, uh, your Fantasy 2006 draft or whatever, uh, where you get to pick all of the nominees for these movies, what nominations would you have given to Half Nelson? Yeah, Shurika apps for sure. I think that's a, a no-brainer. Um, the, the real question, though, is would you put her in lead or support? <laughs> I, I would probably be strategic and go for supporting because I think Elite would have had no chance at all. I mean, this is your fantasy world. You don't have to be strategic. You get to, you get to be... She, she is, she is the, lead, the female yes. lead of this movie. Yeah. Right? That's no, no doubt. Like I don't know the screen time of her, but like, yeah, I, I it's probably she, she has about the half Nelson of this movie. Yeah, it's probably about <laughs> even with Gosling, if not slightly lower, because there's a lot of scenes of just her, or yeah. just her and Frank, or just her, her and her mom. Uh, I mean, not as much as as Gosling, but still, she's always yeah. there. She's always present when he's not present. It's either him or her. Yeah, all yeah. the time. Um, I would also go for screenplay. Yeah, I think I, as we said. So one thing that I'm not entirely sure about, I think this got some buzz as an original screenplay, but because it's based on a short. Yeah, that's what I thought. I think think it would have been placed in adapted, although I think it was being campaigned in original. So I don't know what the story is there. When you look on the Wikipedia page for this movie, it doesn't, like in the the write-up for the, like the, the sort of blurb at the top, it said it's based on a short film they made, but on the, the sidebar where it usually says based on blank by blank, it doesn't even have a section for that. So 
I, I do and not know what the credit with is. short movies how that works. Yeah, like Whiplash <laughs> was campaigned as original because uh, Giselle had written the script as its own thing, filmed a portion of it as its own short to get funding for the main thing, and then the Academy mm-hmm. deemed it as adapted, and so it got put into adapted because they're weird like that. But yeah, so I I, I feel like this could have been hurt by something like that as well, like confusion about that although i don't know how much that was even really talked about in the time so yeah i mean, yeah, I mean it, I, when you listen it it got a lot of nominations right i mean it, it it got a lot of awards love not much for screenplay but still yeah, yeah but i would nominate it for screenplay as well and apart from that i'm not sure i think yeah. the cinematography is a little bit too too much in the I mean, shaky handheld I think, I think what i read it's something it works. like it's something like there's three shots in the movie that are mounted. Everything else yeah. is handheld. When you see uh, the apartment with no one inside. Yeah. And everything. I mean, eh, I, mean the I, moment I, that I get I what I talked saying, about before yeah. with, with Dre, the, the way she's revealed in the first lesson scene, I think is really well done. And, but I'm not sure if that's directing or cinematography, but yeah. And there are many movies, like, uh, moments like that. And also the moment when he's discovered in the toilet, I think also is framed really, really well. I think the movie is actually shot pretty well, but because it's handheld, it's not so noticeable. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But uh, that, that would be it on my, on my part. I agree with you there. I would, I would put Sharika Epps in Best Actress. I would put it in Adapted Screenplay, if we're saying it's adapted. And outside of that, it's a good movie, but I don't know if there is another part of the movie that really grabs me, really compels me to nominate it elsewhere. But uh, those three nominations, I mean, obviously we're keeping Gosling, uh, but those three yeah. nominations are very, very worthy. And I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, <coughs> thank you for, uh, you know, for joining me on this process. I look forward to coming back on same time tomorrow to discuss Venus. Uh, I don't know if I'm looking forward to watching Venus, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it in a couple so hours. So you haven't seen it yet? No, I, 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 like I said, I got a cram. Okay, then I won't say a word. I watched it two days ago, I think, already. I, I like to, I usually try to watch the, the movies that we're talking about, like the actual episodes pretty close to the recording time uh like day of or night before depending on what time it is just because it's fresh on my mind and i I get to uh i I mean it probably would also help to watch it and have time to sort of form an opinion uh off mic rather than what i tend to do which is have revelations about my interpretation of the movie as i'm talking about it which, but that's what I'm doing too. Like I have notes, yeah. but most of the things I said came during our conversations or yes. come during our conversations. And yes, so, uh, <laughs> I'd probably give it a, a half rewatch tomorrow anyway. So yeah, half rewatch. But I have thoughts and notes, and it will be uh, an interesting discussion. Yeah. I'm really curious. What do you think of Venus? Yes, I am also curious what I will think of Venus. It uh, kind of baffled me this movie. Fun. That's a that is fun to look forward to. So. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to be hearing a lot of this over the next month, but where can people find you and yours? Oh, uh, I'm still uh, on first, last shot on Instagram is uh, my main uh, 
a place to be to read to see what I'm doing. Right on. Being more um, active already. Yes. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms and on Instagram at the Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it. Our first in the uh, the month long 2006 Best Actor miniseries. Thank you for listening. <laughs>